Welcome back, Joker men and women to Joker men. Most Apparently mostly Joker men, according yeah. to the Instagram engagement algorithm. Uh, you know, that those things can't be trusted. Um, you're not really uh, you're the gender that you um, say you are unless you write your pronouns in your bio. Otherwise, right. you know, you can't tell um, Joker people of the world. Well, as we've said all along, Joker men is a gender-neutral term. So uh, right. men, women, non-binary, you know, uh, M to F, F to M, whatever floats your boat, we're all just Joker men at the end of the day, gender-neutral. Yeah, Jokerkin. <laughs> That's probably a Tumblr thing that uh, is pretty fucked up. Probably. Um, anyway, I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And today... We're doing uh, the second in our year-end sort of roundup series. Year-end spectacular. I guess the second and final, because we've mainly covered just the 70s and 80s, you know. Yeah, it uh, it has worked out pretty nicely. We're here at the end of the calendar year 2020, and we have also reached the very end of the second full decade that we've looked at, the 1980s, on, uh, on Bob's docket. So once we roll into 2021... We'll be we'll be jumping into the thrilling 1990s decade of Bob's uh, discography, um, and uh, and it'll all sync up pretty nicely, all there together. Uh, at the same time, we've also got some exciting news to share. Evan, would you like to yeah. uh, clue our our Joker, fo- Joker folks into uh, into what the the 2021 season will bring to us? We're doing it, baby. We're making a Patreon. <laughs> Had to had to happen eventually. We now have over five hundred thousand listeners, so we uh, decided, you know, maybe we'll we'll throw you a bone, and you can throw us a bone. We can throw a bone back and forth in the uh, the way that you do um, to to have sort of a more enriching transaction, um, more joke for, for us at least. Well. No, not just for us, because what we're talking about is adding bonus content, bonus Joker men content on a special Patreon for for you. And uh, we want to stress that we are not taking away. This is not us saying we will take away Joker men. We're just we're simply adding a premium option. This is sort of like a health care, you know. Um, yeah, this is uh, you. You can now sign up for the gold plan instead of just the bronze plan that you've been on all along. Uh, and by that we mean that we're going to be uh, doing our normal Jokerman content, our usual. The give you the the usual like yep. the song, you know, one of the most famous songs by Bob Dylan, <laughs> and um, we're going to also, in addition to that be doing special stuff like the bootleg series. We're going to be doing stuff like all the rest of the movies down the line, the Bob Dylan film uh, canon. We're going to be doing that. And uh, other special things too, like Bob Dylan cover albums by other artists, uh, Bob Dylan live show uh, discussions perhaps. Mm Mm-hmm. Just stuff for real perverts and freaks. Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think the way we're envisioning it is 
all of the standard studio album releases are going to remain on the Jokerman feed, the normal feed, be free to everyone, no ads or anything. Uh, and, and that's all going to continue as, uh, as per normal. But now that we're getting to the stage of Bob's career where, like, the, I mean, the bootleg series beginning in 91, uh, that, that starts to represent a non-trivial percentage and increasingly like a majority of his output, at, at, you know, as, as the years go on at this point. And so this just feels like sort of a natural, natural point to, I mean, obviously we want to cover that shit, but, you know, kind of uh, take it in its own direction. And then, yeah, like Evan said, other movies, uh, you know, both of the Sorsese documentaries, Mast and Anonymous, uh, the soundtracks for those, um, uh, other live sets and, and shit like that. I think there's just a lot of fun stuff to talk to. Plus, at the end of the road, at the end of all of this, I think we'll probably double back and hit the probably hit the very, you know, the very original material. And, where and it some all of that, started, yeah. Where yeah. it all started. We, we will bring it all back home. Um, That's and pretty I, funny. Yeah, pretty, pretty, you know, we're getting pretty good at this. That's why we're starting <laughs> Patreon. Uh, and, uh, and so some of that will also be probably uh, uh, Patreonified. Um, and then plus, you know, once we reach the end of the road with Bob, I think we've got ideas about where else to to take our, our journey here. Yeah, we um, have a, another artist that we will... Um, I think focus on at some point in the future. Um, that road. That might artist, be... of course, is Van Morrison, Evan's <laughs> favorite, who today no. just put out a great song uh, that he wrote uh, and that uh, the great Eric Clapton sang lead on uh, it, about how COVID is not real. I literally, I can't even like maintain my bit about this in the face <laughs> of that song. It's so, um, it's so hard to listen to that uh, and even keep my smile. Uh, there was one line that gave me a chuckle about like, I just want to play the blues with my friends or something like <laughs> And it's sung by Eric Clapton. It's not even a van. Like I give Van the sort of hero pass where he can make these anti-lockdown conspiracy songs or whatever they are. This one is the most vague of all of them. Like we're also, we're not, he's probably not going to be the subject of the, yeah, this is the all next one. But a joke. I, even though I would love to do that, um, maybe some someday. I think that our next uh, proper subject might be uh, a boy. Well, think- a, a boy from. I'll, I'll just say a boy from the East Coast. There you go. And I, I think uh, a character that has made uh, appearances several times on this show already, and someone that. Uh, uh, the, the Joker folks out there would would be equally interested. A, a boy from New York. The only living just a, boy in New just York. Just a kid from NY, you could say. <laughs> Going to be Billy Joel, folks. <laughs> um, anyways, I think that's uh, that's enough of the the housekeeping uh, here. We are also going to, uh, in the spirit of like semi professionalizing <laughs> things here uh, a little bit more. Uh, we are going to be uh, repping the Patreon uh, relatively often. Uh, we'll, we'll have a link included in the show description for this episode, and we're going to be blasting it out on Instagram and Twitter, so I apologize in advance. Um, and we'll also be telling you all to follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well um, because we uh, started doing this just to kind of dick around and have been enjoying doing it, but it has also been successful, and I think we've had a great experience Connecting with the wide world of Bob fans out there online. Uh, shout out to Lars in Denmark. Yeah, Lars, uh, a gardener in Denmark who uh, listens to the show and also um, has great insights about Bob that he sort of 
um, very effortlessly connects in a poetic way to uh, the act of gardening. uh, And um, he sent us a lovely message to that. Yes, um, but there was that wasn't the only nice message we got. Um, We've gotten some others. Um, Traveling Willow, I believe, is the name of another account who sent us a very kind message about uh, how good and how good and great we are. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, But yeah, we've gotten the chance to connect with a lot of folks, and I think we're going to keep trying to to do so and stick it out with this. But you know, we're uh, it's it's not free to put all this stuff up online, so that's really what we're just trying to do is kind of you know cover our costs here and make it a more sustainable, uh, sustainable long term proposition. Yeah, I I really don't. We like doing uh, this as much as you like doing it. We like talking about it as much as you like listening to it. And and I don't even have like any Bob Dylan uh, records on vinyl. Like I don't, I don't really have that many. Ian has like all of them. I don't have that many, and uh, you know that does affect the quality of the podcast. The fact that I don't have these, and I don't That's have true. the money to to go and buy them all the time. So, the more you know, you are generous. The more I can uh, have records, and yes. and then you know, the richer and more emotional. Uh, the the podcast will be because these episodes will be absolutely. You'll also notice if you go there to the Patreon, we've set our first goal. It's a you know I, I think a, a reachable one fifty fifty subscribers. We should already have a couple on there. Uh, as soon as we reach our first goal, we will we will please all of you Ronaldo and Clara heads out there and watch and comment on the five hour long masterpiece Ronaldo and Clara for five hours on the pod. Yeah, um, so. You can officially stop complaining about that, <laughs> or uh, you know, get, give us your money, and then you can keep complaining if you want. But I don't care. Yes. Well, Ian, should we begin uh, today's task? I suppose we should. Yeah, we are. We're diving into the same thing we did last time. Uh, so this might be another jumbo, uh, supersize episode. Magnum. We'll see. Magnum, yes. Uh, comes in a nice black package in golden font. Or, or um, a large bottle, you know, you could think of that as... Oh, it just occurred kinda, to yeah. me that, you know, the condoms and the wine, that it, they right. t- the condoms took it from wine. Right. Yeah, magnum-sized bottle, yeah, it goes into double, the... Double sense. magnum. Right. Uh, might be a big episode because uh, we're, we're here to talk about and wrap up the best of the 80s. And this, I think, is really like, you know, the best of the 70s. That was fun. That was kind of, uh, you know, a, a useful exercise. And the playlist that we put together had a, a nice mix of, you know, the classics and the expected material and some personal faves as well. But I think, uh, you know, I, th- I think this is this is where the rubber really meets the road is in summarizing and canonizing Bob's 80s output, which, as uh, those of you who have been following all along since the beginning know, has, this, this is a much more sort of tortured uh, and back-and-forth kind of decade than the 70s, which, uh, you know, includes all of the critical favorites in the beginning of the Christian period. This is just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it brings us Joker Man. But besides that, it's, it's some... Uh, it's not quite as critically appreciated as the 70s output, but 
I think that's the fun that we'll get to have here is uh, I think there's just as much to appreciate for the two of us, at least, as there as there was in the 70s, if not more. Yeah. I mean, the, the highs are high and the lows are extremely low. And uh, <laughs> this is a little thing you, you can call drama. And uh, we love drama. Absolutely. We, that's we the purpose crave drama. of That's the purpose of life. It's like, uh, you know, it's the... You know, you're an actor. What's the, the, the like, Greek thing where you've got, like, the, the happy mask and the sad mask and stuff? Uh, that's called Broadway, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Theater. The, uh, <laughs> the Great White Way. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we'll, we'll kind of do the same thing that we did last time, right, where we just tick-tock back and forth and, uh, and give each other our favorite songs and talk about them and see see what kind of best of the eighties playlist we can put together. So should we should we dive in without any further ado here? Yeah, we should dive we should do all the things podcasters do. Dive in, jump in, jump hop in, on get in. started. Let's yep. I guess dive in is like the one everyone Wow, as if on cue, there's the uh, harmonica. Perfect. Uh well, I'll go first. I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. Number one, uh, and again, my my playlist here hasn't been sequenced. It's really just order of favorite song to least favorite song. Although you know these are all the best of the '80s, so even the last song on this playlist is what am I? Why don't you do it in reverse? In why don't you pick the? Why don't we end on a high note? I guess that's fair. But then you're probably yeah. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, this is all made up bullshit anyways. Uh, okay, so we'll go reverse order, uh, and, and this will be uh, an appearance. I wanted to be a little contrarian here. First song on the playlist, I guess, is going to come from Bob's worst album of the 80s, Down in the Groove. Mm. Death is not the end. This is a good song, uh, but it's not one that I picked. <laughs> good you song. don't like it? Well, it's a good song uh, on that record. When we're talking about Down in the Groove, it's one of the better songs on Down in the Groove. I do kind of like it, but I think I said in a, a, a recent episode that I don't really love the implication because I think it's like a little vague. It becomes slightly existentially terrifying to me. Right. Why is death not the end? Is that good? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Is it sinister? Is that a, is that a positive? He's, is it he's, a negative? I mean, he's clearly painting it in a positive light. It's... I think that what he's saying in the song is, don't worry, this is not, your your literal death will not be the end of your life. I don't know. He's talking about heaven and how it's real. Maybe, or maybe he's talking about hell. Maybe, like death is not, like you are, you are such a bad person, your suffering will continue. You know, death is not the end. But he, he's you're, saying you're, it you're like... You are just trapped in eternal damnation. Gee, if that's the message, then why do you like this? I don't think that that's the <laughs> message. I think he's saying... I don't when think it's the message either. When but... you're down and out, just remember you're going to, like, you... I think the the positive way to think about it is, like, you know, uh, only the earth will remain, that sort of sentiment. Like, you know, you can right, take heart right. that this uh, terrible situation is but a mere blip in the grand uh, arc of, of destiny and of life, you know, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that that makes sense. But I, I do also agree that it is, it is sort of like not, like there is, there is, 
some spiritual dimension to this song, but it isn't a Christian song necessarily. No, no. You know, this is a couple of years after the Christian <laughs> it's, period has concluded. It's a Janice Soprano type of spirituality. Sure. <laughs> the Queen. Um, I was just thinking about uh, the episode of Sopranos where they have got to serve somebody in it. Um, uh, I think it's from like the fourth or the fifth season. It It's one of the great, in a, in a series full of great musical interludes, it's one of the great musical interludes. Um, that might be another Patreon episode, just uses of Bob songs in television and movies, uh, as we've talked about at the beginning of the, the Big Lebowski, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, yeah, I mean, I think uh, this song, Death is Not the End, is uh, it's pretty light, but it's one of the more interesting tracks on down in the groove and it's something different than most of what else was going on in the 80s it's got this this very hushed vibe to it very quiet like we were talking about with betsy it's like you know um uh just very um uh quiet and and simple and spare but sort of cool and like kind of synthesizer i don't know it's it's just it, it there isn't a whole lot in his catalog that sounds like this and at a moment in time when it, it seemed like his career might be at his end at, at an end uh, you know, this was, this was a, a much needed kind of uh, positive uh, track. So that's, uh, that's the first one for me. I think we might see one more down in the groove track at some point later, but what do you have? Uh, what do you have next? Evan? I have a little song called saved. Classic. Uh, this is the uh, the title track of Saved. Saved. And um, <laughs> I think it's uh, really just infectious. I, I, I think that if you give this song a chance, I know much has been said about the, the drums being kind of sounding sort of shitty. I think uh, one notable critic, I forget who, said they sounded like cardboard boxes. Um. But the drumming is terrific. Uh, Keltner, the god, uh, just tearing it up on the drums. A really fun, dynamic performance. These great Mm. piano, uh, sort of gospel, soul piano uh, flourishes. It really feels like he means it. And uh, we're going to touch on Saved a a bit more. Definitely. Um, throughout this episode because uh it's it's you'll see but um it's been a lightning rod of controversy yeah yeah because i gave it three stars and um then that was i was sort of this was questioned but i not to give much away about how i feel but i'm i'm leaning uh I'm feeling good about Saved lately, and mm. I I feel like this song is one of the great examples of what's so good about this record, and that it doesn't have any of that um, sort of cynical or like weirdly political geopolitics rambling right. of a uh, slow train coming. This is like Bob doing his version of church music, and it right. just feels like the Holy Spirit is uh, right there in the room. I uh, This song makes me feel good, and I'm, you know, a, a Jewish man. 
Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Uh, and I, I, I do think this is definitely one of the better tracks on Saved. We'll, like you said, we'll, we'll get the chance to talk about Saved a little bit more. But in general, I think the record has, has sounded better to me coming back to it and kind of re-reevaluating it ahead of this episode than it did initially, you know, when we were ramping up for our episode with Ian, uh, however long ago that was. And, and yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is definitely like, this this song is the reason that Saved exists, I think. Um, mm-hmm. if, if there's going to be just one song that is the reason that the record exists, it, you know, it's, it's a title track for a reason. It's right there at the beginning, or, you know, it's the second song right after Satisfied Mind, which is, like, sort of half a song. Um, yeah, there's, there's a great sort of uh, fervor and spirit, I think, behind this, and, uh, and it is just a kind of a positive... Uh, a message, a positive, positive vision of Christianity as opposed to what he was offering before on Slow Train. He makes that blood of the that, lamb sound really good, you know. Right, yeah. We love the, the blood of the lamb. Um, it's, uh, it's something that is good. Um, and those, those pianos, it's so good. Yeah, it... It, it sounds like, you know, the kind of song that you would hear in a, you know, some sort of like evangelical revival tent down south or something. Not in like a weird, freaky way like it is today, but like at, at, in some past period of time what, when it was less freaky, freaky than it is. Oh, you mean like, like mega churches? Yeah, no, like this, uh, righteous, righteous gemstones kind of stuff. Well, no, this, that's very, that's white evangelicism. This, this, although Bob is performing it, this uh, doesn't have like it doesn't sound like it, it's the product of a of a five seven white guy. It uh, feels right. like like you're right there in in a gospel church. Are you are you saying that Bob is a person of color? Well, I'm saying that a lot of the people that were on this record were, and uh, you know, yes. <laughs> the, you know, there's like this thing that I saw, there was an interview I saw recently uh, with Van Morrison where he said. He said, like, to the interviewer, was like, you know, you, you've said that you um, you feel like a black man uh, trapped in a white man's body. And he was like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think I do. That is how I feel when I sing. As we all know, the Irish are the blacks of Europe. Yeah. Uh, all right, saved. Good song. Um, I'm glad to see it on the playlist. Not on my uh, side of things, but I have absolutely no qualms with it whatsoever. Um, all right, score should, uh, one point for Ian not going to hell. We've got one yes. point. Yes, I'm, I'm getting back in the good graces of the Lord as we speak. Uh, let's see, next song for me, if we're going in reverse order on my favorites. Um, and here's where we're going to start to dive into uh, the bootleg stuff. And, and I think that in, in this playlist in particular, we're going to see a lot of bootleg material, much more so than on the 70s, because so many of the best tracks that Bob ended up recording in the 80s never saw official release uh, on any records. Uh, obviously, you've heard us go on and on about Series of Dreams, and we will get to go on and on about that again before too long. Um, but really, like the, the last... 10 tracks or something on bootleg three, which we will get to talk about soon on Patreon. Uh, it's really just hit after hit from the eighties and is almost a greatest hits record in and of itself of songs that never, never saw the light of day. So first one for me here is going to be foot of pride, um, which is sort of a muscular 
kind of rocker oh, yes. from the Infidels era. And um, one that Lou Reed covered. One that Lou Reed covered, exactly, in the uh, in the Bob Dylan 30th anniversary special uh, show, um, which had like a double or triple LP recording of it. I think that might be making an appearance on the Patreon feed at some point soon. Um, yeah, this song sort of reminds me of uh, Disease of Conceit, or like it, it seems like a forerunner um, to it, uh, in that it, it's got this kind of like big picture social commentary kind of message to it, but it's also sort of muddled. Like I, I'm not sure exactly what the foot of pride is supposed to mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I was gonna ask you. I, I kind of like this song, but I don't really know what it, what he's talking about. Foot of yeah, pride. I, yeah, I I can't say that I have a great grasp on it either. Um, but uh, yeah, because so it, it is it is a foot, as in like you know the bottom of a leg. Um, there ain't no going back when your foot of pride come down. Ain't no going back. Is the um is the chorus. So the foot of pride presumably is, you know, it, it comes down. It's a foot. Um, like put your foot I'm, down. I'm, yeah, I guess so. Um, you, you know, I, like I don't the really sin of pride. Do you think that's what it's about? Maybe. I need yeah, to look I, at I mean, the I lyrics so. again. Uh, but that's the thing is with the lyric, like it, it, it's from the Christian or it's from the period of time when he's emerging from the Christian era. So infidels, like we've talked about, not a Christian record, but obviously informed by Christian imagery and material. Uh, so this fits into that same kind of thing. And there's a lot of Christian kind of uh, notes here. The the Gates of Paradise, Amazing Grace, Philistines. Um, uh, it, and uh, it's just a very kind of arresting imagery. Um, uh, or there is a lot of arresting imagery in it. Um, and, uh, and it feels kind of like innervating and, and ferocious. And it's not a mode that Bob, I think, really had adopted uh, very often at this period of time for him, uh, he was either doing, you know, stupid bullshit like emotionally yours, um, or, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, more artistic, legitimate songs like Joker man. Uh, and this, which harkens back to the, like, um, it's all right, mom, masters of war gates of Eden kind of thing. Um, you know, those are all, acoustic songs this is that same kind of attitude but in this weird kind of glossed up 80s version so so again like with um death is not the end sort of a one-off in his catalog like not something that there's a ton of other material of but an interesting glimpse at a direction not taken and you know as uh, as evan mentioned the great the great lou reed appreciated it as well from one uh pretentious uh caseler i can't say it um <laughs> to another um right. this is uh this is a great track Yes. I'm glad it, it makes an appearance here. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you approve. Well, uh, I think my next one is going to be a little song called Tight Connection to My Heart. Love it. This is a song that is um, so good. Uh, <laughs> this is a... Uh, I, I, I mean... There's not really another song that does it this well um, in in Bob's 80s catalog. I think that of all of the glossy, overproduced, or I should say maximally produced types of songs, this one is one that swings for the fences and just, uh, it, it does a home run. And um, it, like, embraces 
that maximalism in a way that feels uh, good to listen to. It's it's like just a fun song that has interesting lyrics, even if they're kind of they're weird. There's some don't really make any they sense don't whatsoever. Make much sense. There's that bizarre like. I guess it's a electronic sound, a, 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 like a synthesizer doing an accordion that sounds so weird. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know that part where I can't. Of course, it's iconic. It, it's got um, a just l- drop it, drop a little lick, <laughs> drop a little lick I'll in here. I'll put that little lick in. <laughs> the thing about this song that I I really love is is to that point is kind of like. It's so sonically uh, unique that you hear two seconds of it and you know exactly what it is. Like, yes, the things that are catchy about it, or there's things that get stuck in my head about it that are just weird little, very specific moments to this song, like that little accordion synth thing. And um, absolutely, the sound of the backup singer is going, "You gotta." Like it's, yep. there's just a, it has a je ne sais quoi. What can I say? Yeah. You hear the first, like, um, two seconds of the song with, with, with the backup singers ramping up the, you and you know exactly where you are. You know, this can only be one song. We know, uh, what Bob looks like at this moment in time. We know what <laughs> well, we've seen the video. <laughs> we know that he's wandering around neon lit Tokyo and Paul Schrader's, you know, fucked up uh noir version with swimming pools in the middle of this weird uh 80s hotel uh you know it's uh it, it is it is the uh, absolute height of an era that many would consider the absolute depth of his career which puts um, it in like and, a, a a strange uh half uh half existent like magical land you know it's like right this kind of really weird thing that nobody can say it doesn't uh it 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 rocks you know even if you don't like what's happening here it's a hit i'm sorry yeah, i don't know that there's anyone who would who would say they dislike tight connection or uh, i mean i guess i'm sure there are but if, well, they, if they hate exist- it like if if you are one of these people who are like ugh, you need to turn your nose up at it like Go to I'm, hell. well i'm sorry like you probably don't like that this song like nails it so hard that you like <laughs> it's not like it's a weak song like it does what it does and it does it so hard exactly. so like and and another thing about the maximal type production is i have heard it um a, you know many times but I do pick up on little details in there because there's so many like random layers of other instruments. Like there's a, there's, there's stuff that you can pick up on, you know, many listens down the line that you maybe just didn't notice before. Say you're wearing like better headphones this time. Like there's weird little shit in there. That's kind of cool. There's like a nice, um, kind of rhythm guitar that does some interesting stuff. Anyway, I mean, It's, uh, of course, of course we were going to put this on here. No, no question about it. And, and here's a good example, I think, of, you know, I, I was talking a minute ago about uh, bootleg series uh, stuff appearing on this playlist. Um, 
and there are you know different versions of different tracks on on that record. I know we're going to talk about at least one or two of them coming up shortly. Um, there is also a different version of Tight Connection uh, there towards the end of uh, Bootleg Free, which is a, a simpler kind of just acoustic take on it. Right. With similar lyrics, they're not all, you know, they're not all there quite yet, but, you know, you can clearly tell it's the same song. Uh, and, and whereas some versions of those bootleg demos of other songs are the stronger version, and that's what's going to appear on the playlist. In this case, no question about it. Tight Connection, the Empire Burlesque Cut is the superior that's one. That's the is, one. That's yeah. the canonical one. <laughs> Wearing a powder blue wig. Memphis in June, a song that gets name dropped in Murder Most Foul of all places. Next, what do you got? Yeah, because I picked that one. Even though we both we both had it on our list. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not one of my picks, but like I saw that you picked it, and so I thought, you know, like. I didn't have to because we both love this, you know, and and I think that we both love it for a similar reason to uh, Tight Connection, actually, like sonically, this recording, this piece of music as it is, as it sounds recorded is um, like famous to me just in my own mind, like it has uh, also that indelible opening sound like yeah and the and the kids you know it's it's a it's a mic drop mic drop moment you know dropping your mic and stepping away from the spotlight spotlight shifts over to many children uh singing about mahatma gandhi Knocked Out Loaded is... Wait, who is the original singer of this? Was this a Christofferson joint? Uh, I, it might have been... Um, let me see. I mean, that's um, also funny. The fa- Like, it, it being Christofferson is funny. Yeah, Chris Christofferson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <The> Billy himself. <laughs> there was a man named Mahatma Gandhi and then named Martin Luther King. I guess there's a Johnny Cash uh, cut of it also, and a Highwayman cut of it. The hi- yes, well, the Highwayman. As we've talked about, Christopherson was in, in the Highwayman, right? And Johnny was too. Yeah. Well, yeah. God, the Highwaymen were so um, cool. Yeah. The other great sort super of, uh, group, other than uh, the Wilburys. Yes. Yeah, sort of the dark Wilburys, I would say. <laughs> well, um, the country Wilburys. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I mean, they killed him. You either love it or you hate it, folks. I don't know what else to say. Uh, knocked out, loaded. Uh, you know, <laughs> I know is 
not often uh, looked back upon fondly. Uh, but I think there's 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 a couple there's a couple bright moments, and uh, they killed him. It's probably the second most bright moment. <laughs> I'm bl- sure, blindingly bright moment with like children bright. screaming at you <laughs> about the injustice of the world. We'll uh, we'll we'll return to knock that loaded at some point uh, later on. I'm sure uh, dedicated Jokerman listeners are aware of uh, another track from that record that's going to be making an appearance here. I almost put "Drifting Too Far From Shore" on my playlist, but I couldn't quite get there, and I don't mm. think it's on your list either. Yeah, it's not on my list. Um, that's you know honorable mention. Drifting too far from yeah. shore. Yeah. That that has such a crazy sound to it. That like four on the floor thing, and that synth, when that synth drops. It's so cool. Oh, I love Knocked Out Loaded. Maybe we'll throw it on the playlist anyway. Maybe. Uh, what What do you got next? Uh, I have a song called License to Kill from Infidels. Um, this is a song that is one of my favorite, like, three or four from Infidels. And... Um, I, I think I like it more than you do, Ian, but I I really think that it has, it's kind of like the moral center of Infidels, of that record, to me. Um, whatever, like, confused, backwards way of thinking he was on to, like, do a whole song, like, defending Israel, and then just, like, also put, like, I mean, the thing about the unions, like, uh, Union Sundown, or the Union, what, right. uh, it's kind of a song about exporting our... I don't know. There's a bunch of geopolitical shit on the record. But this song, I think, actually is effective more so than, than those two in in being a song about the present day, the state of um, uh, tur- turning like a sort of geopolitics, uh, casting a wider net, in a way, about about those issues... Um, about environmental degradation and and our our rape of the of the world really for capital and things like that, um, and I think it's really nice that he actually makes this the center of the song is a woman who's sort of wondering about this and um, wondering who's going to take away the license to kill that that man has has adopted, um, and so I think it has kind of like this interesting like feminist uh, more feminine than a, than like feminist it's really like hmm. a feminine impulse and i i think it's interesting that he's using uh this character in the song of of this woman on his block to sort of channel that through um sort of like representing uh, the conscience that we all have you know we all have this woman on the block who Who's wake? Who's awake all night, wondering like when? When will it all stop? When will the horror stop? And I also really like that. There's a line about how it's it's stupid that we went to the moon. <laughs> yeah, the line about the moon is pretty good. Yeah, man has sealed his doom. First step is touching the moon. Was touching the moon, and uh, <laughs> you know uh, that's one of my beliefs is that um, it's a blasphemous to uh, to go to another planet. Or to the mo- to another moon, to go any. We shouldn't leave the Earth until we have, uh, you know, until the minimum wage is at least sixteen dollars. 
Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why we have so few uh, women listeners. Is because it's it's well known that this is an anti-moon podcast, and girls love the moon. No, no, I'm pro moon, and I love the moon. That's why I don't want. Uh, I Jeff thought Bezos you just said you were anti-moon. No, I'm anti-going to the moon. Oh, you I don't, don't want I'm anti-people. People. To get to I want the moon. all of it. See, okay. It would be better if you know we couldn't go there. You know. I understand now. I understand. I I was radicalized by Ray Bradbury at an early age, and and it's wrong to go to the Mars. It's wrong to go to the Moon, and anywhere else uh, well, you, out of the question. Don't you can't. You heard there. it here, folks. Girls, Jokerman loves the Moon just like you. Uh, listen, listen to the podcast now. Yeah, the Moon should be admired and not touched. I'm looking at the Moon respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is a good song. Uh, I, I was uh, listening to it again earlier when I was giving your picks a run through. Uh, I, I think I, I, I somehow have, like Infidels has sort of disappeared from my like favorites from the '80s as we've gotten further through things, with one glaring exception. But I surprised myself and you know did not have any Infidels material besides obviously the one that everyone knows is going to be on here on this uh, playlist and. Um, yeah, License Steel, I think, is one of the, one of the better songs on the record. Uh, certainly better than I and I or uh, fucking Neighborhood Bully. But, oh, you don't like um, I and I? In, in creation <laughs> where man's honor is neither, honors are, nor forgives. In, crea- in uh, creation where whatever the fuck he says. I was going to say, I'm, I'm impressed that you can even pull no, that it's out. It's like <laughs> in creation where man's, I don't know, it just sounds like a philosophy major jargon. Yeah. Anyways, License Kill, I think is a good song. Uh, it's it's, you know, it's a good song. It's not a it's not it's not a great. It doesn't really stick with me for whatever reason. I was thinking about putting um, uh, "Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight" on uh, on there somewhere towards the end, just because I felt like I needed to put another Infidels track on. And that's a that's another like good song from that record. But even that just like doesn't that didn't make my know, list. So yeah, but it's not um, the end of my Infidels picks. Well, uh, obviously, we obviously, know, we there's know one that's a given, leading. but and, and but I think you have should, one more. Uh, yeah, I do have one more. Yeah. Um, but what, uh, what well, do you we'll have save. Next? We'll we'll yeah, save we'll, that one that we. We'll save the one well, for, the for later. Yeah. So we can go, so we can go on about it for another forty five minutes. <laughs> um, uh, okay, where are we going next? Uh, we're going back to saved for me, wow. uh, which wow. I, I feel like I have. Oh, a one star record gets two picks, yeah. but. But infinite—that's interesting. Maybe, oh, that's I, I so only have one. one. I only have one record. Getting. I only have one. I only have one pick from Save. Oh, okay. I was agreeing that the song Saved, I think, is good, and it has it has it has a place on this list. But I myself have only picked one, uh, and that is this one, Pressing On, which I think is the strongest all, track. Uh, on I the believe record. that is also on one of my picks. Yeah. Uh, it's a great track. Uh, you know, it comes right in the middle of the record, um, and and this I think really, along with another song that we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, that's another one of the Christian songs, although maybe not quite as uh, frequently appreciated. Um, it, like this is this is like the best, like the, the best version of what he could do when he was writing songs like this. Um, it's a very simple and straightforward kind of song that has. Like, you know, it has significance beyond just this Christian realm. Um, you know, he is talking about, you know, he's pressing on to the higher calling of his Lord. But just this, this like, this refrain 
over and over and over again. I'm pressing on. Yes, I'm pressing on. Yes, I'm pressing on. It's just like there's there's something like anthemic and universal about it that that can work. You know, as Christian music, we can also work for you know uh, hedonistic sinners like us to listen to. Um, no, speak and, for yourself, uh, and the, Ian. I've I've now several picks from this album on my list. <laughs> <laughs> right, I forgot. Yeah, you gave saved three stars, so you uh, are guaranteed uh, eternal paradise in the afterlife. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, just the way that it builds over, you know, over I think five six minutes long, um, and it finally kind of kicks into gear there towards the end, and you've got the the backing vocals swelling up behind him. It's just it's a really kind of affecting song um and uh and 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 like i said kind of the strongest example of what he could do when he was in this mode of of writing songs as far as i'm concerned Uh, and how Um, about that line where he says don't look back like the name of the movie like the name of the movie that's true it it does kind of make me think you know was that intentional was that like a sort of moment of self-mythologizing um maybe maybe not probably not but um it it brings that to mind as the listener anyway and and it does feel extremely personal. And and I do think when I listen to this, like about all the heat that he got or f- for, for being Christian basically. Um, and for making that, you know, such a part of his music. And it seems like this, this song is kind of a declaration of his faith. And um, also it's interesting to just think about this song now, you know, many years on um, looking looking at Bob as somebody who has continued and pressed on for decades and decades after this was released. And, you know, this is like him, uh, sort of just, uh, acknowledging that, that fiery perseverance that he has. Um, and yet he persisted, you could say, (laughs) and yet I hashtag press on. Yes. Yeah, Bob, uh, famous. Uh, what, what was that Hillary originally? Was the persisted thing? Okay, I, my brain is so fucked up now that I thought it was maybe about Elizabeth Warren. No, 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 no. I think I'm pretty sure it was a Hillary well, Clinton I th- thing. Was it Warren? I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of. I think some of the the Clinton Clintonism was repurposed from 16 for the the Elizabeth Warren. By the way, congratulations to Elizabeth Warren for getting a cabinet position in the Joe Biden (laughs) administration. Yeah, it all worked out. It all happened exactly the way that she wanted. Well, well, we haven't gotten all of them yet. You know, they've picked uh, Pete Buttigieg for, um, uh, minister of trains. (laughs) You know, she could get bumper cars or something down the line. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, golf carts and uh, and go karts. <laughs> Those are still open. <laughs> um, pressing on, great song. What do you got? Uh, I have another song from an album called Saved. Excellent. It's What Can I Do for You. Yep, yep. And um, we were just uh, we were just talking about. We were this just one. talking about it. Um, I just think that again, Saved comes through with one of the these really emotional personal statements of faith and i think that this one is really special because it's the way that it poses a question it's like you're a fly on the wall with like a conversation between bob and his lord and um it feels uh really palpably 
intimate and um and and really committed and uh the song itself just has like a really nice a really beautiful arrangement like i really like it the way that it just it it is structured as a song but especially there's there's a few live versions of it one in particular which right, I don't right. know what the actual performance of this one was. There's a YouTube video. Maybe I'll put the link in the description. I mean, I I love the record version, the album version of it, and so we'll that's what we'll include on the playlist here. But um, there there's this one live version in particular where he really just lets it rip with the um, the harmonica solo at the end. There's also a Toronto version that is on trouble no more the bootleg series which right. um it's is really really great as well but there's this one particular performance that um i think i've posted a video of on our instagram even um when we were talking about the record and it it's just like transcendent to me it's such a beautiful harmonica solo just like an all-timer and it gets so quiet and it gets so um, close like to it, it really feels like it it uh, measures up to like the lyrical portent of, of the song. And, and you feel like it, it really is kind of this like spiritual communication that's happening. Um, right. So I. I don't know what else there is to say. I just I think it's a, a very beautiful song. Yeah, it's uh it's it's definitely a, a strong one from Saved, and I think those live versions are are really fantastic. And a, a uh, message that, of, of gratitude, I think that's like an interesting thing to hear Bob making a song about. Um just about being grateful. Like that is that's not really what most people think of when they think of Bob Dylan. It's like sort of a humble, like bending on the knee type of of song. So it, it's all the more powerful to me, given that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, great song. That, the guitar, I think, is really fantastic. That just sort of like languid, like almost liquid mm-hmm. kind of sounding Um uh, uh, tone that they've got going on this uh, on this track, and the, the I think the back like his vocal interplay with the the backing vocals works like this is as good as that kind of concept gets when you get to the chorus, um, and he just kind of like you know winds out. What can I do for you? But in the in the background, you've got the backing vocals, you know, just like crystal clear and, and absolutely beautiful, kind of swelling up behind them. It's it's a really nice kind of interplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, this is uh, this is one that I'd kind of forgotten about. I think a little bit um, since our uh, since our saved discussion. But I was I was glad to uh, revisit it, and it sounds you know better than it better than it had uh, ever before. Now that now that I'm coming back to it with new. I, my eyes have been opened. Um, you could say and, you've uh, been born again. I, you could say, absolutely. Uh, it's a great track. What do you got? Back to me. It's up to you. It's up to me. I was just listening to that earlier. Pretty track. good. Uh, all right, we're going right back to uh, right back to the bootleg uh, series here, bootleg three, 
and like I was talking about before, alternate versions of songs that appear elsewhere. This is uh, going to be When the Night Comes Fallen from the Sky, the Empire Burlesque classic. Yeah, by um, Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen <laughs> and the E Street Band. Yeah, this is the version, of course, that is uh, the, the second, the pin ultimate song. Uh, good, good word there uh, on Bootleg 3. Congratulations um, on, on using that. Thank you. Um, right, you know, lead into uh, to the official anthem of Jokerman there, the, the last song on the record. Um, yeah, this is the version recorded with Little Steven and um, someone else from the East Street Band that, whose name is escaping me at this point. Um, but during that kind of confused, you know, long and arduous period of time between Infidels and Empire when Bob was just kind of floating around and like bringing in random people to random studios on random days at random times to record random versions of random songs and never deciding on one specific direction for the sound that he wanted to go or, or anything. Uh, it was just sort of a mishmash uh, and a journey uh, towards what ended up becoming Empire, which was obviously a very kind of confused sounding record. And, and that is inevitable based on the way that the album was cut and recorded. But this version of uh, When the Night Comes Falling from the Sky, I think... It's totally different. Completely different, yeah. And, and you know, the original Empire version, I think, is the most Empire burlesque song on Empire burlesque. Um, yeah, it's like when you think of what didn't work, it's right. that one. It's that, yeah. It's eight minutes long. It's got that just ridiculous synthesizer riff over the, and over those again. Those electronic drums. Like, yeah, the gated drum. Yeah, it's... it's uh, it, I mean, it's fun to listen to. It's funny to listen to but as it's, a curiosity. It's also but, very downbeat. Like, it's weirdly a downbeat version of that song. Yeah. Um, and and I think the lyric um, uh, is actually pretty kind of interesting. Um, if you can, you know, like, actually spend a little bit of time digesting it. <laughs> Can't say and, that I have, really. Yeah, like, though, that's the thing. Like, you listen to the original version, like, you almost, like, the, the actual words that he's singing just go in one ear and out the other. Um, when the night comes but this, Yeah, the image, I think, of the night falling from the sky, that's, like, a very effective kind of refrain and, you, and title. You know, that's a really interesting way to say that the day is coming, is that the night is falling. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> um... But I mean, I, I I think we almost do this song like a little bit of disservice by not looking like lyrically for all eternity. I think I will remember that icy wind that's howling in your eye. You will seek me and you'll find me in the wasteland of your mind when the night comes falling from the sky. Like it's really kind of interesting. That's almost like a, a out on the windy beach type of lyric, you know? Yeah, the haunted, uh, frightened trees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it sounds like something like that or like, um, you know, a street legal kind of song like Journey Through Dark Heat. Um, but it doesn't like lyrically, it doesn't sound like fucking emotionally yours right. or um, uh, or clean cut kid or whatever. Um, and so so this version that's on bootleg uh, with the um, Kings. It's, I'm sorry. I just heard about that. that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, me too. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're Kings. Well, um, <laughs> Yeah, the same the same album that has lyrics like about, like the icy wind uh, that you'll you'll never forget like in the night falling from the sky is also just like he's eating Burger Kings eat Wonder Bread and Burger Kings um 
Yeah, this version with the E Street uh, players, I think, uh, does does it a good service, and it, it definitely just sounds like Bob ripping off Bruce. Um, you know, something that he would do a little bit later with the Wilburys. Um, but uh, but it's good. It's a great song. It's very anthemic. Um, you know, the playing is fantastic. Um, there's a, a really nice kind of galloping beat. Sounds like something out Born to Run almost. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, and does this song uh, the justice that it deserves to have been done? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I agree. It's 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 a good listen and a good track. When the night comes falling from the sky, but not the one that you think. Um, what do you got next? Next, uh, I've got. Uh, I'm throwing a bone again to. Uh, well, this is actually another uh, alternate version, a demo, and mm-hmm. I believe it's one that you also have on your list. Oh, I think I know where you're going. And it's uh, about a certain type of uh, substance. It's about sand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's a song called Every Grain of Sand Demo. And um, this appears on uh, on the bootleg series. Where else did this is showed up on it? This version has shown up on at at least two. Uh, sort of compilations um and for good reason it's simply beautiful uh it's one of it's the essential track from uh from what's that what's that one called from the cursed shot of right, love right shot of love yeah s h uh asterisk uh, t of L asterisk <laughs> shit of love yeah <laughs> shot of shit shot of slain shot of <laughs> slain of you know this is the sl- we, I'm surprised we don't have any anything from slain on here <laughs> knocked, out, knocked out slain um t- uh yeah okay I'll, I'll stop now or I'll go forever that's slain <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, this version, it was something we were just, uh, texting about before we started talking and, uh, man, it's just gorgeous. Like the first few seconds of it, it sounds accidental. I think it basically is. Right. But what you have is this beautiful, uh, guitar and, and piano intertwining with Bob, uh, cutting in, and then and then there's a dog that comes up and is barking at one point. Truly a demo's demo, but for my money, why would you re-record this like they did? You know, this is yeah. so sublime. Um, just a really beautiful song, executed so well. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something just kind of magical about this this take of of the track. It's got this homespun quality to it, uh, like you mentioned. I think the, the dog barking, mm-hmm. which happens not only once but no, I think twice, it kind of starts and then doesn't really stop. Yeah, it starts like halfway through and then like continues on to the end. Um, uh, it just yeah, the, it's a very intimate kind of take on the song. And Bob's vocal delivery here is like really interesting. I don't even know the right way to describe it. You know, obviously. Some of you are going to be familiar with this. If not, just go listen to it. Um, but it, it's it's this very kind of like, um, um, like tremulous. Yeah, it's sort of trembly and soft, and like he, 
like he's he, it sounds like he's really trying his best to you know sing sing in a pretty kind of way uh, and succeeding but it's not at all like the way that he was singing you know for the most part on on records around this this time um and yeah the the way that that kind of finger picked guitar and then the piano just kind of bounce off one another and, and intertwine throughout fantastic um and the and the lyric i think you know uh, this is this is sort of the capstone to the christian period it's the last song on shot of love which uh, obviously is sort of um, like a half Christian record, but but still ostensibly Christian. Um, and in, in and this the time is God. of my confession, is how yeah. it begins. Yeah, this is God. This is definitely you know it, this is a, a pretty Christian kind of song, but but again, it's not like the early Christian songs were off um, Slow Train or or some of the other tracks on Saved. Even this is just like a very serene, peaceful, chill uh, version of um of uh, uh of whatever kind of faith bob was was on at this moment in time and this image this you know this this kind of this metaphor of every grain of sand in the fury of the moment i can see the master's hand in every leaf that trembles in every grain of sand very simple rhyme scheme uh you know he's not wowing us with the wording or anything but, but it's very still just profound so, yeah I exactly mean, yeah it's, it's literally incredible. that me- that's such a a simple device or or image uh, to to throw out there is just sand every grain of sand i mean it's like saying every star in the in the galaxy every star in the universe it's like saying uh it beca- it's you know basically psychedelic which puts it very much up in that sort of uh special place of the best religious art the best religious music um where it uh it, it becomes something that forces you to kind of stretch the scope of your imagination to, uh, to picture this. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and so I think, then it, it, you actually are kind of left, uh, with your jaw on the floor. If you really do try to imagine what he's right. saying and you meet him halfway. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think and I, uh, that like, that's the right, the best way to think about this is, is less as a Christian song, and more is just like a spiritual song, yeah. Because um, it is occurring in the Christian period, but there isn't any Christian imagery really. That you know, the Master's hand is is really as close to that as we get. And, and, the, and pretty, the hour of my confession. Hour is of the my first. confession. But yeah, of course, to confess is you know, it's one of the things Christians love to do, but it's not just for Christians. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's it, uh, it it just it's a song I think that works regardless of what what kind of um, context you're listening to it in. And the, and the last verse also. Uh, it just fucking gets me every time. I hear the ancient footsteps like the motion of the sea. Sometimes I turn, there's someone there. Other times it's only me. I'm hanging in the balance of the reality of man, like every sparrow falling, like every grain of sand. Um, you know, what What? What more do you need? Like, obviously Bob wasn't firing on all cylinders throughout the uh, decade of the 80s the way that he was earlier but you know when he, he, when he, he was started still, the 80s with a banger right yeah here. when he was when he was still doing it real and doing it good he was still as good as he ever was and i think this this song is uh, is the perfect example of that but yeah the bootleg series cut of it absolutely essential a couple of the um the uh, the um trouble no more um cuts also uh, are also good there's a rehearsal version that uh, that sounds a little bit more like this than the kind of you know syrupy, honeyed up shot of love version. Um, search search these out, uh, or just queue up the old Jokerman playlist here. Uh, a small dog licking your face. <laughs> You're the best of Bob Dylan in the eighties. Yeah. 
uh, where to, I guess, is it back to me now? I guess so. Yeah. Even though that was, that was when we both picked, of course, but yeah. Yes. Um, all right. We're going, we're going back to the bootleg series. Well, once again, saying this is, this is, this is why you come to the Jokerman because a lot of the the best tracks of the eighties don't even appear on albums that came out in the eighties. Uh, and this is one that we talked about a little bit, uh, you know, during the infidel session. And I think had it appeared on infidels would have been, you know, this, not the strongest song, but certainly the second strongest is of course, blind Willie McTell. Yeah. Uh, this, well, which version are you talking about? Because there's an electric version that exists, and then there's there's a more piano version, which I think right. is the one that you can more readily hear on. It's the one we'll have to include on here, because I don't think the electric version is available anywhere except YouTube. Yeah, I mean, this is just the version that, that appears kind of towards the end of, um, of, uh, of, of the bootleg series. Right. Um, it's really a, uh, a, a great like synthesis of sort of Bob channeling that old classic blues mythology that sort of informed his earliest work, um, pretty often, but also it has that flair of the, um, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that sort of like nocturnal uh, existential flair that you have on sort of running through Oh Mercy, um, which makes it just a really special track. Ultimately it's moody and it's sort of, it's interesting to hear him play, pay homage to sort of classic blues, uh, legend. Blind Willie McTell. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I, I hadn't really thought about it or considered it until you, just mention it, but it like, you know, so the song initially like written and recorded and from the infidels era, but, but left off the record because Bob, I think was like self-conscious about it or something. Like he didn't feel like he could put out a song about Willie McTell and, and like make it legitimate or whatever. Um, and so he just, you know, kept it on the cutting room floor and then it surfaces a decade later on, on bootleg. Uh, but I, I, I almost wonder, and it, it does almost kind of feel like, a song that would have made more sense, like on Oh Mercy, like and and I wonder what like Daniel Lenoir would have done with with the you know kind of recording of it because it does s- stick out of uh, the Infidels kind of music, like the, the the lyric and the subject matter doesn't really mesh with the you know that weird kind of glossy Mark Knopfler uh, tone that he was going for on Infidels, uh, which is maybe part of the reason he didn't feel like including it on there. Um, but it, it does it does kind of seem like it could have worked on a record like Oh Mercy with the sound that was happening on Oh yeah, Mercy. It's yeah, got that like you've Bayou got Bayou kind of vibe. It even to it has or lyrics about New Orleans on it. Exactly. And yeah. and you've got literally. Uh, I, I mean, you you have that, and then also just the way that it's structured uh, feels kind of like the man in the long black coat in some right, ways, right. where there's sort of this central figure that's like mysterious. Um, yeah, I I definitely. I feel like it has a connection to that mode that he kind of really went for on Omer. Uh, Omer. And I feel like the voice he was singing in on Oh Mercy also that that you know the first appearance of that grizzled old you know old Bob kind mm-hmm. of um, vocal tone would have made way more sense uh, for the way you know that the song is is put together. It's it's a, it's a very dramatic kind of song and it builds and builds towards the end, but it, it's never overwhelming or anything. 
Um, I don't know. It's uh, even even still as is. You know, not uh, casting aspersions on it. It's a great track. Um, yeah, and uh, um, one of one of the best of the eighties, according to uh, according to Joe. Where uh, where do we go from here? Well, we've got another bootleg uh, pick, and this is one that doesn't again. doesn't appear on any record. Um, uh, yes, but it's one that is. I have found. I mean, I think the first time I heard this was like a few years ago. Yeah, I think three you, three years ago, even. I think before. you brought this to my attention. I didn't. I didn't. I had not even been aware of this song before whenever you pointed this, it out to me. Whenever. Yeah, whenever the uh, Trouble No More uh, bootleg uh, series came out is when i heard it and it's uh ain't gonna go to hell for anybody yeah (laughs) which is this song is like so it gets me so pumped up like every time i hear it i don't know it's really gotten me through some dark times because it it's so um like outsized it's it's like uh ambition and it's like it, it's like really like a sort of success win meme <laughs> in, made into a song, but like it, it works on me because it's like religious. <laughs> um, it's, it's just a song about how like, yeah, I can, you know, I can manipulate people as well as anybody S- squeeze them and tease them. Wine them and dine them. and dine them. Like I can, I could make love, I can make believe I'm in love with almost anybody. Like a lyric that's like, honestly takes me aback. It's just like, wow, he's doing like the culture of narcissism by Christopher Lash in this song. <laughs> he's doing like, he's like making, he's really just like cutting to the core of like, like, yeah, I am, I too, like you are, you know, a pathetic narcissist who, who can sort of bend people to my will, my, my perverted little will, but I'm not going to do that. And I am not interested in doing that. And furthermore, I will not let you do that to me. And I won't like, I won't go to hell for you. No matter who you are, not you're my family member. Like you're, you're my, not for mother, not for brother, not for sister, not for not for father, not for mother, yeah. not for sister, not for brother. No way. Yeah, not for other. Yeah, <laughs> no way. It's it's like uh, that scene in The Sopranos where um, <laughs> where where uh, maybe we should just do a Sopranos podcast after uh, uh, Jokerman. There's, there's already a Sopranos podcast. It, yeah, it's been covered. Um, being covered right now, actually. Um, by yeah, uh, with uh. Steve Shrippa and uh, Joe Biden's number one fan, Michael Imperial. <laughs> yeah, and they're doing a great job. But uh, like what I was going to say was Michael Imperioli, his character, Christopher, there's, you know, when he, uh, spoiler alert, gets gets shot uh, in what, it's like an early season, and then is like briefly in the hospital and sort of comatose the, uh, for a end minute. Of, uh, season two. Yeah, yeah he when talks the, about kids. He, he has this vision of being in hell. And then later, after that, he says, uh, at a certain point, I don't know, maybe, I suppose it's after that, he, he says to somebody like about Tony, like, that's it. That's the guy I'm going to hell for. And this song is about never being in that situation. <laughs> it's about saying, so, I will not go to hell for anybody. I will not, not make even for any, Tony. I won't, I won't make, any, I, nobody can make me sin. And, uh, 
just listen to this version. I mean, there are other versions. It was performed other times, but this one that we're going to be sharing on our playlist from Trouble No More, the bootleg series, volume, what, volume 10? A 13. 13. Is uh, just like straight fire, straight hellfire with the with the holy water in the background with the with the good book floating around all of the p- items that you can throw in Castlevania yeah the the whip the, um <laughs> you know you know like the holy water you got the book you got the the uh the the fire yeah the whip I, yeah I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah this song kicks so ass sick uh definitely like you know if 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 Bob's gonna be writing Christian songs in this this uh, holier than thou mode, they they better kick ass. And this is one that that definitely does the um, the playing also. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. There's this like kind of like Mac DeMarco sounding guitar tone and and the backup um, vocals. I, I mean, you the backup vocals, they kill fantastic. It. The drums though are really just what do well, it. It's, it's got it's, this. It's uh, like disco kind of vibes, but um, I almost think that it's like um, like Motorik or something. Like like yeah, um, it's almost almost like kraut kraut rocky. Kraut rocky, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like propulsive and just like pounding on um, on the snare drum like over and over again, and it's just like driving forward. And I don't, I don't know. It's it's great, and it really is like. Um, it sounds like a punk rock song, basically, but it's about it, it how is. he's a good Christian guy. It is a punk rock song. I mean, lyrics like I can, you know, I can manipulate people as well as anybody. I can make believe I'm in love with almost anybody. It's like everybody's sought that, you know, like you know, sort of questioning your your first impulse to to be in, to ingratiate yourself with people. He just really cuts that down at the root here. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it makes me, uh, it works on me, the song. Like when I'm, yeah. when I'm feeling, uh, at, at a crossroads in my life, I, I listen to this and I remind myself I ain't going to go to hell. For anybody. Yeah. I wonder why he didn't include it on any of the, uh, any of the records. I mean, it's this too is powerful. better. It's, it's too, it was too good. Shot of Love just had to be shittier. Yeah, no, this is an example of, you know, one of these uh, moments where Dylan was like, the song's too good to put on a record. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it belongs on one of these records, uh, certainly. Uh, but this live cut is, is what we got. And, you know, that's, that's fun. I think live cut is fine or is fun. Um, all right, that was on my list too, but it, that was your pick, I think. Uh, it's it's so really we... cool that that was on both our lists, though, uh, because yeah, one of the great unsung like this is the moment to do that, you know, one of the great unsung gems. Absolutely. And what, like you know, compared to uh, um, talking, uh, I don't know, I'm failing to Pop. in the summertime. I thought you were going to talk about another Dylan podcast. Oh, what, um, whatever they're called, Pod Save the Dylan. <laughs> yeah, pod save Dylan. Love it or Dylan. Um, what? Are, let's see. What's, what's next? What's um, your next pick? It's getting up there for me. A lot of the stuff that we have uh, that that has appeared on this playlist, I think, has has appeared on on both of our selections. I think there's a little more crossover between you and I on this one than there was on the seventies yeah, one. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. Maybe because there isn't quite as deep a well to pull from. Um, but um, 
uh, you know, songs still as good as anything. Um, tight connection we obviously talked about. Yeah, so we're getting up to the one, two, top six for me now. So you did it um, in order of your favorites. I just kind of did it based on... In a sequence Yeah, of a way. sort of yeah. sequence. Well, everything we've talked about has still, so far, has been on the lower end of my list. Uh, but now we're getting into the, the tip-top end here. Um, and we're going to start uh, next with the great Oh Mercy track, Ring Them Bells. Ring Them Bells, man. <laughs> Thank this God is another he didn't do great a, reggae. <laughs> Thank God he didn't a do that. A reggae inflected version of <laughs> Ring Them Bells. He, he, yeah. <laughs> he would have done it. He could have done it. He should have. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we we just we just spent a long time prattling on about Oh Mercy recently, so I don't feel the need to dive too in depth on this once yeah. again. But um, uh, you know, Ring the Bells, just fantastic track. Um, again, very uh, simple and um, and straightforward and more spiritual than than religious, but still has that kind of um, that element uh, to it, just like Every Grain of Sand, for instance. Um, you know, it's just, it, 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 simple, easy, it's great. It's awesome. What, what, what more, what more do you want? Yeah. It, it's just, what is there to say? It's just to a song us from the last episode. It's a song that has, uh, it shoots for great gravity and it, uh, makes a slam dunk with, you know, it, it manages, it does it. Great track. So. I'm up next, and it's a song, again, another song from Infidels, actually. Oh, interesting. Uh, Sweetheart Like You. Yeah, yeah. And and this is one that I really like. Um, I just feel like it has this sort of great um, theatrical, almost, um, type of drama to it. Like, almost like a like a long day's journey into night or something. It feel it's like got this sort of energy of being, you know, it's, there's a setting, there's characters, there's like a situation that we're thrust into here where, you know, this, this beautiful girl is in like the most fucked up bar of all time. <laughs> and, uh, you can really hear it. in in Dylan's voice, th- this like sort of, like disappointed, concerned, a- affectionate tone of like, what's a sweetheart like you doing in a dump like this? Like, why are you doing in a dump like this? Yeah, it, there's a great vocal take on this. It's a, it's a real performance and it really does like, it's evocative of, you can imagine like this sort of like scary place and this girl with a very cute hat, apparently. Um, and uh, I don't know, to me, it, it honestly feels like an extension of something that might have been on Blood on the Tracks. Like, it has a lot of that, especially, like, Tangled Up in Blue. Like, it reminds me of that same sort of mode of, like, talking about, you know, I just, like, stopped into the topless place and uh, to get a beer. And then this, like, interaction with the stripper. And then he goes to her house and she shows him the book of poems in this song. It's, it's kind of like that, you know, he's just like talking about like the boss is gone. Like I'm just at this bar. You have to done something fucked up to be here. 
what are you doing here? Like this sort of chance encounter. It's very romantic. Um, so I, I really, I really respond to it. And it's also very funny to hear the like l- almost photocopy of the drum fill from Joker man and from Joker man <laughs> from Joker man on, on here where it's like these same exact drum settings. Like they probably just recorded it after they recorded Joker man. And he literally does the same fill that starts Joker man. Just and uh, so it's like a fun little like Easter egg. I don't know if it's an Easter egg more than so it's much just as it is just laziness, yeah. but it's funny to me. Um, I don't know. It does. It's kind of like it. It's one of the things that I like about this record is that it, you get that sort of continuity, that feeling of them making it and just like they picked the drum sound evidently <laughs> and just stuck with it. And uh, yeah, I, I just think this is a really special song in a lot of ways. And uh it it has some great playing on it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a good track. Uh, definitely one of the uh, better songs on Infidels, I would say. Uh, that um, I think it does. Yeah, like like I said, have a, a nice vocal take from Bob. There's just something about it though that uh, like really the rest of Infidels is is really leaving me cold these days. I don't know what to say. Um, which is is so weird to think because i've always kind of thought of or i mean before we started doing this i had always sort of just thought of infidels as this like you know late career mid-career high point of bob's and uh and i'm realizing that that's not not as much the case as i i thought it had been um so i, mean, I officially I think, have more picks from infidels than you yeah because i've only got yeah i've only got i i mean i haven't picked a single song from right. Infidels so far and i'm only gonna pick one um uh yeah, um, I don't know. I like. I, I think on Infidels, I, I think this song is 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 good and one of the definitely one of the highlights of of the record. But like you know, elsewhere compared against a lot of his other um, uh, material, even in, even just in the eighties, like it it um, you know it's it's good. It's not. Uh, I <laughs> I would put drifting too far from shore above sweetheart like you. Damn, really. I don't Maybe know. that's just the contrarian in me. I think it is. I mean, having been the contrarian many times over, right? I think I can spot it. I think you should spend some more time with this. Maybe I should. I, I, uh, I mean, there's, that's the thing with Bob. You know, there's always more time to spend with all of these records, uh, except for probably Blood on the Tracks at this point, um, <laughs> or Blood on One. Um, although no, even, you know, even, even that, those, we were just listening know, to that. I was just listening uh, to Blonde on Blonde the other day. Yeah, we both I was, were. I was walking out, on, you know, it's a fresh powder day, just the snow. Yeah, how's the, fall. uh, how's the snow back there? I'm, I'm, I wish I was, uh, oh, right. I wish I was You're there in California. for it. You know, um, yeah. my girlfriend just, uh, flew out to LA. She's in, on the plane right now. Oh, wow. I hope she's safe. You know, I'm, I'm going there, uh, too. Yeah? Yeah, actually I'm going to be there on, uh, the 24th to the 3rd. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I will be 500 miles north of you, but, uh, you know, I'll, uh, we'll, (laughs) okay. Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) We'll we'll never record an episode in person together. That's the Jokerman promise. (laughs) Uh, where were we? Um, we were, uh, 
Sweetheart Like You. It's a good song. Um, it, uh, I, I have no qualms with it appearing on the playlist. All right, cool. What's yours next? Um, this is one that I, I – this, this doesn't actually uh, appear uh, at this point on my, um, on my playlist. Um, uh, so this is one that I didn't have on the playlist, uh, but it was something that occurred to me late, and we texted about it a little bit and just decided it should make a cursory appearance anyways. So uh, yes. don't consider this a top five pick by any means. I think uh, I, this, I, I also agree that this should, we should throw a bone to it, you know. Exactly. So yeah, we haven't we haven't had anything actually from Shot of Love uh, on the record so far or on the playlist so far besides Every Grain of Sand, which remember don't listen to that version of it. Um, so uh, so Heart of Mine, I think, is yes, going to be a, pickier. a genuine Shot of Love cut from the yes, record. From the record. How no about the alternate drums, versions that are better? How about the drums on this? Aren't they good? Yeah. The, the, the drums are good. Is that uh, Keltner? Is, is that Keltner on this? I don't know. Who is Let the me uh, on, on "Shot of Love." Let's see if we can pull up the liner notes on "Old Shot of Love." Uh, wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? It's old, old Jim. Yeah, I knew it. He, I mean, Jim Keltner is so good. Old, and he's uh, so... what was his name? Sidebury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lefty Sidebury. No, Lefty is uh, is Roy. Roy I know. Yeah, I forget Sidebury. his, uh, his what, first whatever name. it was. But um, he's so good. And he's still alive. He's still playing. He was on Foxygen's last record. You know, he's yeah. he's a king. He's great, and uh, we <laughs> love. Sam and Rado just heard that 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 classic shot of love sound and decided, well, you know no, what, no, we really. got to get some shot of love vibes you know, on the the latest Foxygen. We, we should do we should do on our Patreon uh, some Foxygen episodes where we just talk about Foxygen. Sure. Um, they're, you know, friend, friend, longtime friends of the podcast, uh, some of our earliest uh, friends, really, you know, <laughs> some of our dearest friends, Foxgen. Um, and uh, their last record is, is, was, I would say, it's like their 80s Bob sort of masterpiece, like like their secret masterpiece. Every song on, uh, on that record, seeing other people. on Seeing Other People... Sounds yeah. like the best song of like an otherwise shitty Bob record. <laughs> like just like a weird, like I don't know why, but I like this type of song. Each song is like the best one from like a Bob record that doesn't exist. Right. Um, check it out. Keltner's on there, literally. Anyway, um, and it doesn't really sound like Bob Dylan, but you guys know. <laughs> no. Um, this song, though, uh, Heart of Mine it's really like a Keltner showcase, you know, he's just, he's chewing the scenery with those, those fills. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's sort of just like a fun, lighthearted kind of jingle jangle. And it's sort of piano led. Uh, it, it's Bob and uh, Clyde King doing sort of a duet um, throughout, you know, this is very much like, you know, this is Bob in trifle mode. Uh, this is, um, you know, emotionally yours is the dark version of this song. Um, but, uh, but the light version of what he's doing here, you know, could, could work from time to time. Um, it, it, we're not reinventing the wheel or breaking any new ground, uh, with, with what he's saying here, no, uh, no. part of mine, be uh, still. go back where you've been. It'll only be trouble for you. If you let her in, don't let her hear. Don't let her don't hear let what her you hear want her. What or whatever he says. It, it's, um. You know, I was listening to this today, and I had this thought that, like, 
I really respect this song because it, it's sort of like the type of thing that somebody's got to be making songs like this. Sure, absolutely. And nobody better to do it than someone who really knows how to do it, knows that shit inside and out. And Bob Dylan is that guy. And like, I think that more and more, I, I that's kind of how I feel about a lot of things is like, as you see, just like progressively culture on every level, just get fucking worse. Just get like, you know, things just get the life and the joy sucked out of them. People forget what was good about things we've taken for granted for years. It's good to sometimes just go back and, make something that is familiar and do it well. And that's what this song does. You know, God knows that the restaurants we love are in grave peril. That's a good point. The, the, the type of music that we love, like you can't just take that shit for granted. Sometimes you have to just roll up your sleeves and make a mediocre song that would have been like on the charts somewhere in the fifties or sixties. That's a very good point. Yeah, this is sort of like a you know like a diner tuna melt um, of a song. Exactly. It's a, you'll never be disappointed by this. It's good. Yeah, a tuna melt can only ever be so good, but a tuna melt can also only ever be so bad. I don't know. It's a tuna yeah, melt. yeah. Sometimes a tuna melt is very bad, and I don't mind. It's still a tuna melt at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's what we've got going on here with with heart of mine. Squirt some um, ketchup on it, or rather, bang the ketchup out of a glass bottle onto it. Right, or or get frustrated at it, and then stick the knife up <laughs> in the bottle, and then it all pours out, and then you get upset because there's too much ketchup on your tuna melt. But then you just um, you know scrape that ketchup on uh, over to your onion rings, and you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Use all of the fried other stuff on your plate, your steak fries, and just you know that, that's the diner system works. Um, Heart of Mine is um, is a stupid song, but it's a good song, uh, and I'm glad to put a, a, a light-hearted note on here. Yeah, well, uh, before we get to the the big heavy hitters here, at the well, end. you know that that brings to mind um, something I was thinking about, just like looking at my playlist in the past couple of days. Was like, wow, you know, you think about Bob Dylan in the '80s, and I think sort of like the general consensus is that it's a frivolous. It's sort of like lightweight Bob and that's what's bad about it but honestly some of his most like heavy hearted material comes from this time some of the like most serious stuff yeah. the most personal like real dark night of the soul type of stuff happens in the 80s and uh, like my playlist if you listen to it all the way through like there's quite a bit of like sobering type of razor's edge material um which uh leads me to to my next song uh most of the time love it um what i mean yeah what more I know. yeah can what is say? there to say <laughs> We've we spoke about it, uh, I think, uh, as much as we could on on our Oh Mercy episode, but it's a perfect song. It has all of the best things about the classic songs of this genre, which you know there are many songs like um, uh, I I get along without you very well, but uh, the Sinatra song. There's so there's many Sinatra songs sort of like this. Um, you know, something on my mind by. Um, uh, Rather, hold on. 
something on your mind like Karen Dalton just like the these sort of like really loaded uh emotionally heavy songs that like have some kind of this just like razor sharp hook that just like gets in your heart and never stops pulling it's uh solid gold I don't know yeah uh you know, most of the time, perfect song. It was number two on my list. Uh, as uh, simple, sweet, perfect. Great way to end the eighties. Yeah. Um. All right, and I think we're probably going to overlap on all of these remaining tracks. Probably. At least all the remaining ones that I have here. I'm down to my last. There might uh, be one or two that we don't. Two, three. I think I've only got. I've only got four more at this point. Um. But that's okay because we're creeping up towards twenty already. Um, next one here, and this will probably be, you know, this 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 playlist isn't sequenced as we're talking through it right now. But I think uh, I think we're both going to agree that this is going to have to be the last song on the playlist, as it is the last song on the record on which it appears. That is, of course, Dark Eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been, uh, I think, probably the most one of the prominent, most prominent Dark Eyes boosters of the last. Year. Several decades. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe more than that. I mean, I just really think that this is a special song that is up there with the very best. Um, it's like the sound. I mean, I've said in our episode about Empire Burlesque, I said much about this song, but um, to me, it's like just a sort of wonderful moment where in the midst of all of this maximalism and chaos, which can be really fun, uh, you get like the rawest out of nowhere expression of like the true beating heart of like Bob Dylan, the, the songwriter, like the bard just showing up to get, deliver this kind of, world weary but like dignified short and sweet little ballad about like the scorched landscape around him it's amazing yeah I mean the the lyrics are really you know it's only four verses along um there's no chorus or anything this again um follows the the classic blood on the tracks style song each of the, the verses ends with the refrain, the title of the, the song, Dark Eyes. Um, it, it's sort of hard to parse. I, I, I can't, I'm looking at the lyrics again now, just having them all up on the page. I can't really tell um, if this is, if this is like a, a happy kind of song or if it's a sad song or if it's neither. And like thinking back to the way that it, it's sung and delivered, like I, I think there's also not much indication there or, or it's hard to tell one way or the other because you know, it is, it is slow and spare and acoustic. It's just him and the guitar and the harmonica. Um, but it, it's it, it's a mercurial kind of song, I would say. It's, it's still kind of a puzzle. Um, um, and, uh, you know, it, it, especially coming at the end of a record like Empire Burlesque, it just, it's, it's the, such a hard it's left turn. It's the total opposite of, of, the, of the opening track. Yeah, exactly. It's just hard to understand, like, where where his mind was at when he wrote this song. And, and I think... Um, like we talked about on the Empire record with my dad, or the Empire episode with my dad, 
um, this was a late add to the record and just kind of told to Bob, like, hey, you got to like we need we need a, a slow one to close the record with and you don't have anything yet. So just go and, you know, go and cut it. And, and he just banged this out in two, three days, something like that. Um, I think he had been inspired. He mentioned in Chronicles that he had been inspired by like a prostitute or excuse me, a sex worker uh, that he saw in his hotel um, uh, inspired to write the song by her appearance. Uh, she had a beauty for not this, but not for this kind of world, um, I think, is the quote from Chronicles. Which I, is something I didn't that always, see that. Yeah, it's something that has always that. stuck stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the song, I think, has something of that of like, it's almost like a. It's similar to that feeling that I think you get on uh, Sweetheart Like You of him sort of, but even more poetic, like an extension of, of that thought, if that's the inspiration for this song. Like sort of this uh, this this feeling of of sort of pity, empathy, like this strange like connection that he feels with somebody who who's living a hard life but who whose beauty is sort of like out of sorts with the world around her yeah um there there's a lot uh that you could Im- i mean that's that's kind of one of the great things about the song there's a lot of ways to think about it a lot of angles yeah. to think about it um i think that there are reading i i think ultimately it is a very sad song to me like there's something very sad about it and I don't know exactly why, which is kind of what's so like, inf- like, so um, makes it feel like great artwork to me. It's just that it's, it has that quality of like mysterious and sad, and I don't even know exactly what's making me feel that way. Yeah, there, yeah, it's a little kind of puzzle box of a song. There's the the great line. Um, they tell me revenge is sweet. And from where they stand, I'm sure it is. Sure it is, yeah. And and also the lyric, uh, uh, I live in another world where life and death are memorized. And, uh, of course, but I feel nothing for their game where beauty goes unrecognized. Um, there's just so many. There's not many lyrics in this, but all of them are like that. Like, all of them make you just sort of stop in your tracks. I think, right. uh, who else can do that? You know, I saw this thing recently where it was Joni Mitchell, like kind of in the last 10 years or so, like being interviewed and sort of talking about Bob Dylan and, um, kind of like low key suggesting that, you know, he hasn't like, or maybe he, something he told her even, it was like, uh, he hasn't like written a real song in you know decades. It's uh-huh. all like out of a hat. You know, he just picks. To, he has like there is some evidence to suggest that's how he does things. So, sort of is like <laughs> writes shit down, put put it in a hat, pick it out, and just kind of string these phrases together. And I think that in this interview, it sort of seemed like she was saying that as if that was you know illegitimate. She it seemed like a little bit sour grapes to be honest. Which I suppose you can, you could make that claim, and there's plenty of Dylan material that I think you can maybe sort of see through it and feel like you can see that kind of like formulaic approach. But more times than not, I think it's just like 
well, if that works for him and I feel something, do I give a shit? Yeah, who are, who are we to question the methods by which the songs come into this world? And so while that might result in like songs where you get totally different interpretations from one person to another person, where uh, you even for yourself you don't know what it's about, where Dylan might like switch up the lyrics about... Uh, he does that pretty often. He'll just switch stuff up from performance to performance. Um. And maybe that's something that this song was like, you know, Bob, we need a closer. And then he just throws this out there. Regardless, it uh, works for me. Yeah, that's great. The uh, the exact quote from uh, from Chronicles, I got it while we were chatting there because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't actually just completely making this up and remembering something from a dream. And I'm not. Uh, Bob was staying in a hotel in New York, uh, going up to his room, walking down the hall. And uh, the quote is, as I stepped out of the elevator, a call girl was coming towards me in the hallway. She had blue circles around her eyes, black eyeliner, dark eyes. Hmm. She had a beautifulness, but not for this kind of world. Poor wretch doomed to walk this hallway for a thousand years. Jesus. Nobody does it like him. I mean, that, that gives me a whole new appreciation for this song. Wow. I did not know yeah. that. Dark Eyes, folks. Great song. Great song, um, yeah. One of the, one of the tip-top very best of the 80s here. What do you got next? I think uh, we're probably getting down to the bottom of the barrel for you as well. Well, uh, I mean, I'm not doing it in any sort of order uh, of in terms of favorite to least favorite preference right but uh it's it, it just so happens that the next song is one of your favorites oh yeah i was waiting for it brownsville I, girl that's right the sort With of your Brownsville absolute, girl. Uh, opposite end of the, the other side of the coin of dark eyes really you got Absolutely. you got the this sort of ethereal uh spectral doomed wraith of a call girl on dark eyes and then who's on the other the other end of that phone call teeth like pearl shining like the moon above it's the brownsville girl with her <laughs> with her curls sorry that whistle is probably not going to come through no, on the no. uh the mic her brownsville curl yeah um so you've come around on brownsville girl i have yeah I I, yeah. I I was I resisted a lot to Brownsville Girl, but uh, ultimately, you know, how many songs are there like this? You know, I got a one of a kind. That's what I was saying. And and there's no who other, else could do it. There's no other song that's like, you know, how long is the song? Man. It's about twelve minutes. Yeah, okay, I was gonna say like no other Dylan song that's like longer than eleven minutes, which features like a mariachi feeling. <laughs> so like, of course, yes, it's good. If I told you, uh, Evan, I've got a song for you. It's about 12 minutes long, and it's about how I can't remember this Gregory Peck movie from several decades ago. Um, and it's also about a girl that I was in love with. Um, uh, uh, and there's going to be a bunch of like weird horns on it um, and, uh, and a rousing sing-along chorus with some backing vocals and stuff. Um, and who, who would, who would you like to sing that song? Who, who would you like to be the, the author or the recording artist of that song? 
there's only one answer uh, that would not turn that into just a complete train wreck uh, or, uh, uh, you know, explosion on the launch pad, and it's Bob. He's the only one capable of crafting a song like this. And, and I, I, I think I realized the other day I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm here in Northern California at the moment, but I drove down the coast uh, to visit a uh, friend of the pod, uh, uh, Ori Ravid, in uh, beautiful Pismo Beach. Um, uh, and, Up to uh, Pismo. Yeah. Um, drove down to Pismo and, uh, and was listening to my Bob, you know, best of 70s, best of 80s playlists on the way there to sort of familiarize myself with what I had going on before we would record these. Brownsville Girl came on. I'm flying down the 101, you know, 80 miles an hour. The sun is in my eyes beautiful California coast uh, coming up ahead of me and I just couldn't help but I couldn't help but just sort of shout along to the song that's right brother (laughs) yeah I mean I would do the same thing you know it's a great it's a great driving song when you're driving down that uh, that 101 you know I'm so excited to be back in California and to just drive and listen to Bob. You know, that's one thing you don't get in New York City. You don't that's it if you're a normal person in New York you don't have a car you don't get to ride around and drive and honestly, when I die on my deathbed, some of my best memories will be just uh, driving around. Listening in, to music. To listening to music. Mundane, like I'm going to school, I'm going to high school, I'm going to the dentist, I'm, I'm driving to my parents' house, whatever it is, and I'm listening to music. And that's listening to music in your car, especially if you have a CD player is one of the finest experiences that man can have. Exactly, yeah. There's, there's a whole other dimension that is unlocked, not to every song, but to some songs, by the experience of driving a car, and usually, particularly on a highway in California, which is the, the most suitable place to be doing that. Um, and Brownsville Girl, absolutely one of those songs. Um, you know, it, uh, it just makes, as much as I loved it already, it makes so much more sense in this kind of context, it's uh, it's fantastic. It's a it's a it's a spiritual experience. I dare say. Show me all around the world. Yeah, Brownsville girl, you're my honey love. You're I, my honey love. I, I love it. Honey I, love. Honey I'm, love. Uh, I'm I'm sold. You know, it's I'm right there with you. I'm glad you've come around. You've seen the light. Um. Well, Brownsville girl, I think we spent. 30 minutes on that or something uh, on on the second side of the Knocked Out Loaded episode because that was the only thing worth talking about on the second side of Knocked Out Loaded. Um, head there if you want uh, a little more Brownsville girl love. Uh, down to my last two, um, I will um, we'll save we'll save the one for the end, um, which means uh, this one is going to have to be another one that we have also been waxing rhapsodic about recently. Um, that is going to be the album closer for bootleg series series of dreams dear god this is might be like honestly it might be like my favorite song of dylan's from the 80s whoa i mean like obviously joker man is like (laughs) what it's what can i say you know but (laughs) but of all the songs that didn't appear on a record Let's at least uh, sure, I'll say absolutely. that yeah for that metric, series of dreams is the pinnacle. I think it's one of the finest songs that Dylan's ever recorded. It's like so special in every way. It's so cavalier. It's so casual in the lyrics. Like they're so um, 
it's it does not sound like he tried that hard and yet just like produced an absolute banger um the the production the lanois like that like sort of propulsive almost u2 like yeah the u2 sounding it sounds like a u2 song but like what if bono didn't sound like bono and instead it was bob dylan and the answer (laughs) if you're wondering how that would go is it's fucking awesome uh so yeah what uh what more is there to say it's an incredible song with an amazing video that is actually one of my favorite dylan uh music videos that exist and Cameo what, from the great Lenny Bruce. It honestly seems like one of the videos that probably the video that they tried the hardest on. Like whoever made that video put in more effort to create that than probably any other Bob Dylan video that exists. Right. It right. seems like a real like labor of love made by like a real fan. Um it does feature an homage to the song Lenny Bruce and to Lenny Bruce himself. Uh, it's, uh, and, and, and also to like Kerouac and Ginsburg and, and, and a score of other like influential crew. figures. It's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the video is sort of like, um, like, um, a capstone or, or like a, you know, anthology of his career up until that point, the same way the the bootleg series record itself had been, you know, sort of a a glimpse at all of these, these secret highlights that, um, that had never seen the light of day. Um, the beginning of the myth making, you know, the real myth making, um, I I would be so annoyed if, if, if I was the guy who made that video, like, I wonder if he knew when he was making that video, he probably did not know that it would be cut from the record. Well, no, I think the video, I, I, and I don't know this to be certain, so maybe we'll need to search this up, but I think the video came out with the bootleg series, not, Is that not right? originally. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, because um, uh, I, I think everyone I, knew I, I, at the I time. I would be interested to know because that that would sort of lead me to think that Dylan had some regret, <laughs> like yeah. cl- you know, sanctioning a video to be made for this song that was you know supposedly like left on the cutting room floor. Like, it is not you know, this is this is yeah, a, it was not a yeah, it was song. from, it was from uh from ninety one yeah because I think everyone knew that it was a you know a, just an absolute showcase stunner of a song. Um, you know, that, that's why it's appearing on the bootleg series literally two years after it was initially, you know, uh, uh, recorded and then not released, uh, versus everything else on bootleg had been from the preceding 25, 30 years. Um, it was apparent right from the beginning that this is a song that just fucking kicks ass. Um, nominated for a Grammy for best music video in 1992, sure lost to R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion. Okay. Um, I don't care for R.E.M. Yeah, it's... No, REM is is fine. They're fine, um, but they, uh, I don't know. Maybe I I haven't listened to that much REM, so I don't want to like say this really. But I don't think they have that much staying power. Like people who liked REM when it came out are the people who still like REM. But I don't think people are like discovering REM and having their minds blown. Yeah, I think it. Uh, yeah, they they aren't as present in the zeitgeist as many others uh, from. I, I could be wrong because I really have not like done my due diligence here, but uh, I'm comfortable saying that this song is better than anything REM has ever done. 
that is <laughs> I, I, it's better I than losing my religion which, yes you know, definitely REM you can thank them for the Decemberists <laughs> um, yeah I mean this is uh, this is a great song um, we, we've, we've talked about it a little bit although I think we saved some of the talk as we knew it was going to appear on this and on the bootleg series um, uh, episode which subscribe to the Patreon to hear that when it comes out in a couple weeks right you can, you um, can be a friend of Jokerman um, you know I think that's what we're going to call it either like the friend or or the one star or two star uh, patron yes. where you give us a dollar you know just one dollar it's like not that much for you and uh, then you know the, the three star patron the three star tier. tier is you give us five dollars you get the same shit but you you have a better score yes yeah <laughs> um uh series of dreams uh, great song uh, the 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 it it really does i think have to or, or part of the power of the song it comes from the production and the music and and the way that lanois arranged it um because i've also listened to uh or, you know in the run-up to this i've been listening to telltale signs a little bit the uh series uh, bootleg eight i think um which focuses on best of stuff from like 89 and later and there's i think there's two versions of series of dreams on there neither of which have this same kind of swampy you know built out um u2 kind of sounding production which bob has you know uh, made claims that he sort of dislikes and, and might be part of the reason that it didn't appear on the record um, and those are, and they're good. You know, the, 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 the bones of the song are still there. The lyric is still there, but it isn't, it doesn't have the same effect, um, to it. I think that the, the lyric and the production have to go together to make you're, this song You're talking about the, the version that's on the bootleg series is like the superior version. Yeah. This version yeah. from, yeah, this, this the version. The one that has that, that sort of like, you hear like the beginning of some other yeah. track. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, that's, that's, um, uh, when the night comes falling, oh, fading into this track, yeah, yeah. Um, versus, uh, yeah, versus these other cleaner, simpler versions are still good, but they aren't. They're they still don't good, have the same they, kind they, of yeah, power. No, um, there's a reason does, they picked this one for the video too. Yeah, and and it does sort of give you this glimpse into once again this concept of like these these paths not taken. I think um, on on this '80s playlist. Um, this world in which Bob was 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 writing and singing these like sort of anthemic, world-beating song like like you, you don't really there there aren't a ton of like you know kind of guitar riffs and stuff that are that are super memorable from uh, from Bob songs you know you get you get a couple of those maybe a little bit more geared towards the earlier part of the career um, but in general it's it's not it's not the the music and the you know kind of um, the riffs that that you remember. And this is an example of, of what he could have done if he had wanted to pursue that direction. And obviously he didn't, and, and he was kind of embarrassed by it. That's why I didn't even put it on the record. Um, but, um, but he could have gone this way and he could have been, could have been a hell of a decision there. Uh, you know, as U2 was putting out, uh, you know, their big records at the time. Yeah. This would have been, as we've discussed, uh, an amazing opener or closer to Oh Mercy. Yep. No question. And, uh, what, what did I say? Did I say on the Patreon you get the same shit for if you give us five dollars rather? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can be a Joker friend, a two star uh, supporter, and uh, just pay one dollar, and you're just you're a Joker friend. Or you can be 
uh, a three-star supporter and pay in blood uh, and spend $5 to receive the, <laughs> the bonus episodes that we'll be putting out. Right, right, right. That's right. Well, I, I just have one other track before we get to the piece de resistance, which is um, uh, another uh, sort of oddball track um, f- uh, from Down in the Groove, and it's Shenandoah. I just really I like, like it. Uh, I think that it works as just like a beautiful palate cleanser. It's a classic song, and I think it's just a, a nice version of it. So I wanted to throw it on here because I like it, and it's it's one of the few things I can say that are good about Down in the Groove. <laughs> Yeah, Shenandoah was good. Uh, I was I was listening to it earlier um, when I was going through your playlist and was kind of pleasantly surprised to right. It's uh, like the to, it's the early morning rain of of this one for me. It's, yeah, it's it, that sort of like ah, oh, I didn't realize I wanted. It's the pleasant you know citrus sorbet and sort of palate cleanser. Yeah, I think appearing in the con- in this kind of context on this like you know comprehensive. 20 song, whatever, look at all of the shit that he put out in the 80s. I think it totally fits, totally belongs right there. I think when that when that's the best of what you get on the record, that or death is not the end, um, you know, that's when the record starts to little fall a little flat, especially ugliest when you have to listen to Ugliest Girl in the World. <laughs> um, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think sliding it into a playlist like this, it totally makes sense, totally fits. It's, uh, it, it absolutely works. Um, just a very simple kind of traditional song that Bob had stopped liking uh, or stopped being in, as interested in by this point in his career, but he could still do it really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's really not much more to say about it, but uh, that it is nice to hear. We love it. And it, it is folks. an interesting uh, interpretation of it. I mean, there's no other version of this song that sounds like this. So I think if you're just talking about like what makes a good cover, uniqueness, uh, it gets points for that. It is a unique version. Well, I think we find ourselves at the uh, end of the line here. Yeah, that's it. No more songs. You know, I should mention, honorable mention, uh, just the Traveling Wilburys. I love it. And uh, it doesn't appear on here because, yes, it's not Bob Dylan albums. Uh, It's not Bob Dylan album. It features Bob Dylan. He's one of the Wilburys. It's a lucky Wilbury uh, effort, but right, not I, Bob Dylan. But personally, you know, I still stand by my three star ranking of <laughs> of the Traveling Wilburys. I I love them, and uh, they hold a special place in my heart. Anyway, um, so you know, emotionally yours. I love the Wilburys. That is emotionally yours. Um, yeah, I think I think part of the problem, if we had decided to include Wilburys material on here, is that at least. To, to my ears for my money um the best <laughs> the best uh, tracks aren't are, are not bob songs showcase bob no yeah exactly uh you know not alone anymore handle with care into the line you know surely um, we will do the uh wilbury's volume three which is actually their second record right um, that will be appearing on the patreon feed. that'll be a patreon joint so anyway so if you have more, if you have more interest in the wilbury's yeah, I'm really uh, I'm really sweetening the pot here. <laughs> so this, that's how you that's how you get people to start paying us five dollars a month. Tease them with a little bit uh, of additional exclusive Wilburys content. Right. Um. Well, I think that's it. Right. We don't have any other songs to include on the playlist. No, no, except for one. Oh, was there another one? Yeah, it's a little song called Joker Man. Ah, uh, of course. How could I forget? Uh, it wasn't on my list. 
Well, it's uh, what more we say what about what more Joker can Man? you say? You know, uh, Joker Man is a song that I think I can say, however modestly, changed my life. <laughs> it did. You know, I would. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for Joker Man. You wouldn't be listening to this. Yep. Um, I would probably have never like developed as fervent uh, an obsession or like, I, I don't think I'm actually one of the people who's like deeply obsessed. Like there are people who are way more obsessed with Bob Dylan than, than you or I. We are just our humble, uh, you know, appreciators. You know, we just, we recognize good art when we see it. Sure. I don't think that we're, you know, we're not a couple of Dylanologists up in Certainly here. Certainly not. But we're no Clinton Halen. No, I mean Clinton Halen seems like a cool guy. Yeah, but uh, I I really want to read his uh, Orson Welles book actually. Yeah, that and the uh, and the Van biography. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to read the Van biography. I mean, I I do love Van Morrison, but but yeah, I don't think either. I don't think either of us are actually like the most hardcore, like strictly Bob fanatics that exist. Like other people can lay claim to that. What sure. we are are two guys who really uh, who like music and have just noticed at a certain point that uh, <laughs> one man in particular made mu- too too much good music to ignore. And uh, Joker Man was an incredible like a turning point for me anyway. Like f- discovering that song for me was like a point where I realized as much as I loved Blonde on Blonde and Highway sixty one and Bring It All Back Home like. And and early and the earlier stuff, and blood on the tracks, you know the sort of tentpole classics. It was the the song that made me think like, oh, like well, I'm I have to pay attention to everything now. Because the an album where, that I've never heard of could have a song like this. Yeah, I think. I think Joker Man is really, and it's it's almost weird to say Joker Man instead of Joker Man. <laughs> Joker Man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels wrong somehow. Um, I I think that Joker Man, that's the name of the song, Joker Man. Joker Man. <laughs> Joker Man. <laughs> um, uh, is is the is the Dylan tra- is the Bob track that separates uh, separates the um, you know the the basics from the real kind of heads um, uh, in, in Bob, you know, fandom um, because there are two, you know, there are two, two ways, two directions you can go upon hearing Joker man for the first time, you know, assuming that you have become familiar with, you know, your tangled up in blues and your highway 61s and stuff. And you're like, Oh, I hear that Joker man's a really good song. This is from a little bit later in Bob's career. So I would love to continue exploring. And you hear this, you hear that drum fill at the beginning, you, you hear this enormous sound stage, you hear the, the weird, like, uh, electro harmonica at the end of it, um, and, uh, and, and you go one of two ways. You say either, what the fuck is this bullshit, or you say, this is, this is the vibe. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think there are just as many of uh, folks, probably more, that have gone the first direction and say, that, you know, I'm, I'm out, fuck this. I'm going back to listening to, um, you know, um, uh, well, I can't even think of a, a Bob song to shit on because none of them are worth shitting on. Uh, I'm going back to listening to Sign on the Window. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Sign on the eh. window. Derivative of it's not as good as uh, I think it's going to rain today. This is one that I get so much shit for, and uh, I don't know. Just listen to those two songs. They're like, yes, they're very different. I know that Bob Dylan was going for something like probably he probably didn't even hear that song, but <sighs> anyway. Anyways, those of us who who pick up on what's going on on Joker Man uh, are cast off onto a beautiful journey. Uh, and, Sailing uh, into and the mist, you could say. Absolutely, exactly. Uh, and uh, and I think um, that is that is that is where we find ourselves, and that is where all of our listeners find themselves as well. All of the sickos who have decided to listen to podcasts about down in the groove uh, and soon under the red sky, right? right. Um, With returning uh, and, champion Sam France, hopefully, uh, we'll, hopefully we'll be on yeah. that record. That that episode. Um, that episode. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it really is. It's it's the 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 song that separates the uh, not to use a gendered expression like it separates the men from the, the boys. The Joker but it has from that. the Joker boys, really. There you go, exactly. Because remember, Joker men is a gender neutral term. And Joker um, boys is too. Apparently. Joker boys. B O I S. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I mean, it's it is. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine someone not liking the song Joker Man, but. I guess that exists. Those people exist, and they're the ones who, you know, uh, like going to the Canyon Club and uh, hearing people just play the same ten songs over and over again. I mean, I, I, you know, I'd be sad if the Canyon Club closed, but um, you got to keep an open heart, an open mind, an open Joker soul, really, to sure. uh, to the to the music. Um, if you want to sail into the mystic, that's that's a Van Morrison song reference. Yeah, I I understand sailing. You know, uh, distant ships sailing into the mist, Dick. Mm-hmm. You're born with a snake in both of both your, of your fists. fists. Hurricane was blowing. Oh, Joker uh, man. He- you know what he wants. Oh, Joker Man, you don't give any response. Joker Man dance to the Nightingale tune. Bird, Bird flying fly high, high by the light of the moon. Light oh, of the moon. Oh, 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 oh. Joker, Joker Man. Man. Well, now it's time to do our three-star revisited segment. Yes. Running back through the eighties, and you know, we we I don't know that we're going to have quite as many uh, adjustments. Let's, let's just speed through it. What do you, what do you? Got? I guess let's just see. Can, yeah. Can you show um, me your so spreadsheet, we'll, and and we'll just kind of run through this. Yes. Yeah. So we'll start here uh, at the very beginning. All right. Save. Withhold. <laughs> save. <laughs> the most controversial <laughs> shit that I ever did. Uh, I gave it three stars. He gave it one. This is the most shocking disparity that's ever just uh, occurred. On Joker Man. This is a pretty big delta between um, my score and Evan's score. I am going to stick to my guns. It's three stars. Wow. The reason for this is that... This is shocking. I've I've really found that, like, re-listening to it, like, the thing that I really love about this is, unlike Shot of Love, and unlike even Slow Train Coming, I really believe in Saved. I feel like Saved is a record that has a personal like 
like real high stakes. Um, I think that that was sort of the reason that I gave it three stars to begin with when we had Ian Spinonius on. I, I said, you know, I really appreciate that Bob doubled down on his faith here. And and I really actually think that that instinct for me was really tr- like rung, rung true and has only rung more true because this song doesn't, I mean, this this record doesn't have any of the the cynicism or like sort of weirdly political commentary that Slow Train has. It doesn't have the unevenness that uh, Shot of Love has. It's just straight ahead faith music. And I really respect that. I really respect that he like put himself on the line knowing that it was a risk with um, with Slow Train and just going forth and putting out a song like Pressing On and putting out songs like What Can I Do For You and songs like the title track Saved. Um you know, arguably the the closing of this record is like a little anticlimactic, but not if you meet it halfway. I think ultimately this is a strong record that like shows a really like pure personal commitment to this message. And that's why I want to give it three stars. Wow. An impassioned defense. Uh, I'm going to stick with one. <laughs> Uh, I do think Saved is better than I remember it being. Uh, give it definitely. Two. Nah, I can't give it two. I'd saved is not Saved does not deserve five of a cumulative six stars oh, between the two of us. You're thinking so much like more mathematically than I do. Well, that's you know that's that's the spreadsheet brain. Okay, Mister Mister Gifted Student. I guess you, you're happy with giving it the same score as Shot of Love, aren't you? I, I I will say I will say saves you really closer think to sh- it's better than sh- it's no better than shot of love. I mean that's the next uh, thing on here. I, yeah, I'm forcing you here. to make this decision. Do you really think that saved is no better than shot of love? I think so. Listen, if we had more than three stars to choose from, oh, okay. this is a different ball game. All but right, you yeah. you know this is <laughs> we only have three stars and it's because of you. So if we've only got three, <laughs> we only got three stars. Saved is going to have to go down to the one star slot. I'm sorry. There's a couple good songs, but the rest of it. Enjoy hell. Know. I hope it's I hope it's nice and toasty for you. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll have a great time down there. I'll, I'll have a nice pan. This is the chain you forged in life, Ian. <laughs> uh. A shot of love. Uh, one star from me, one star from you. <laughs> yeah, one star. It sucks. <laughs> yep. Still still one stars. Um, Infidels. This was a double two star. Yeah, it still stands double two star. Uh, uh, one two star for me. Two stars. Yeah. Two stars from Evan. I, I'm, part of me wants to give Infidels a one star, but just the presence it's of Joker, Joker Man, Man alone. Yeah, I know. I, it's got to be a two by minimum just by that alone if it weren't for joker man would be one star wow but i'm gonna still keep it at a two okay fair enough real life here's one that we <laughs> haven't talked about. we haven't talked this about is, real life yeah no real live appearance i think this might be the only 80s record it's the um, only like bob, i guess it, dylan and the dead also didn't make an no, appearance this, this is this. the only record that was like a genuine bob release you know where he ostensibly was sanctioned this release we're of course referencing 73's Dylan which was like not 
a genuine Bob Dylan. It's basically a, a bootleg right, right. released by Columbia as revenge. Real Live, however, was, you know, a genuine Bob Dylan live album, and I give it zero stars. And it was the first the time. The only other one it's, to get a zero. It's the only one to get a zero for me. I still give it a zero. I just think it sucks. And I don't think that the, like, pretty good performance. Yes, like, pretty good. Genuinely pretty good. I actually kind of like it. The performance of um, uh, It Ain't Me Babe that's on here is pretty good. But I cannot just, like, give it one whole star because one song is kind of pretty good. The rest of it is just so limp, so pointless. I still think that the the, the version of uh, Tangled Up in Blue that's on here is interesting. It uh, is interesting. That's, that's Because true. of the different... The different lyrics. Yeah, uh, but it's only fun. interesting for like, like a, as like a real collector mindset sort of curiosity to me. Yeah. Like, it's cool. Yeah, but I I just want to speak for the people and everybody who is ever disappointed by this record and give it that big <laughs> goose egg because all all of you all of you folks who woke up on christmas morning 1984 with a shiny copy of real well, live we, we wrapped got a up message. under the christmas we did tree. get a message of someone who was like i was literally given this for christmas <laughs> i mean it sucks i i hate just think about that that's like not what should have happened bobby i'll call you bobby for this one bobby the pejorative in my opinion i don't think mm. it's cool to call bob Dylan bobby even if he likes it Bobby shouldn't have done this. Real Grinch move. Um, I'm going to keep it at one. Empire. This was another double two from both of us. What do you think? To me, it's still two. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I think it stays at a two. I also. think it's, they, it's two because you got uh, tight connection and you got dark eyes, and th- those it just earn two stars on their own. I don't think anything else is really like going to push me over over the edge to give it three stars yeah yeah it's certainly not a three but it's also not really a one no it's not a one star record with those two songs so that means it's got to be a two yeah uh knocked out loaded one this was a one for you and a two for me it's still a one standard one yeah you come around on brownsville girl yeah um yes it's the one start of brownsville girl you know like i would give another i'm not zero otherwise i'm not gonna give up no 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 i wouldn't i it's a firmly a one like i would never give this record a zero because it has brownsville girl it has they killed him it's got like it's got drifting too far from shore it's good you know i i I like certain things about it but that's not gonna like it, it just doesn't uh I don't, it's not enough for me to really give it the two, but I would never give it a zero. That is fair. And see that I think is, I, that is the way I feel about saved. I think saved the track. What can I do for you? And pressing on, I think those are all, those are three, those great tracks. Right. Besides that, you got six songs. One of them is satisfied mine, which is barely even a song. And the rest of it just kind of fades into the background. You know, yes. Like, while I agree with you, I just really, really appreciate the sentiment of Saved and that it, it was like, it's something that I sort of think about in a more holistic, I take a more holistic approach. Greater than the sum of its parts. Yes. I actually really feel like it is greater than the sum of its parts. Like, it's the rare record that, even though it doesn't even end on, like, a really epic closer, 
and it doesn't begin with like a really epic uh, opening track. I I just feel like ultimately the songs that are strong and the feeling that pervades it are like um, something that I think it has a purity to it that no other in the so-called Christian trilogy comes close to. Even Slow Train Coming, a record which we initially gave three stars and then later uh, went down to two, um, to me Saved just has that like commitment, that overcommitment, and that personal touch that makes me want to root for it. That is that is fair. I guess we'll see in the afterlife which one of us is right. That's right. With death is not the end, so... <laughs> Uh, which brings us to Down in the Groove. This was a double one. I think that's probably going to stay locked and loaded. Uh, yeah, and I'm not going to change my mind. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to keep that as one. I'm, we're gonna I ain't going to go to hell for anybody for Down in the Groove. <laughs> going to go to hell for Down in the Groove. Never. Uh, Wilburys, which we already talked about a little bit, but yeah. I, you're standing by your three-star rating? Of course. No question, yeah. I'm standing by two. All right. Yeah, I did. It's, it's there are some great singles on there, but there are also just some songs that I will hit skip on my uh, on on the old music player. I just when they don't. Come up. I don't hit skip when it comes it doesn't to. Doesn't hang Wilburys, together like, as a record for me. To me, it does, and not only that, it hangs together as a friendship. <laughs> that's that's a good. If we're rating the Wilburys as a group of dudes rocking, Look, three stars. Yes, I mean that's if what we're, we're talking the... about, Ian. That's why I I would urge you to reconsider. Is like. You can't divorce the art from the artist here. You mm. are talking about like five great artists who are not trying that hard and then producing this record, which miraculously it becomes like a a number one hit, platinum hit. Like <laughs> that's so cool. I just can't say anything against this. It's, that is fair. I'm going to stick with it too. Fair enough. Uh, Dylan and the Dead. Even though there was no Dylan and the Dead picks on our best of the 80s, I still give it a two just because I like the idea of it. (laughs) It's not very good, but the fact remains that when Dylan played with the Dead, even though it's not clear on this record, and I believe, um, actually I think after the fact, I learned that Dylan possibly meddled with the final uh, list. Track listing. Yeah, I don't know that it was actually a Jerry decision. I think Dylan probably had something to do with the final track list. Right. Anyway, even though the actual product we get with Dylan and the Dead is just consistently lackluster, there was good stuff, good moments of Dylan and the Dead together, and I really like that idea. So, you know, a pity fuck. Two two points. (laughs) Two stars. (laughs) Uh, I gave it a one. I'm sticking with a one because it is bad. Yeah, you're right. But you know, I'm I'm. I like. But where's the fun? In I that? like Jerry too much to. I don't want it. Yeah, two stars. That's fair. Uh, and that brings us to uh, our most recent rating, Oh Mercy, which uh, you gave it to. This I think might be my only three for the entire decade of the. Yeah, it's my only three for the entire decade of the '80s, and I'm standing by that. No question asked. I still give it a two. Wow. Because just when I think about the records in Dylan's catalog that shoot for what this record shoots for, the profundity and the sort of like serious tone that this album aims at 
and often does make a bullseye. Um, ultimately, though, I feel like certain other records I would give a three. Mm. There's like saved. Yeah, honestly, saved has something that no other record has, and that's the Lord. Yeah, no, no, saved. You know why I don't give even slow train on on reflection a record I really like. Why I don't give that a three. Saved has this sort of like thing I just I can't help but believe in what what's happening here. True. Where I'm with Oh Mercy, I really want to believe in it, but there are things that are sort of stilted about it. You know, like Disease of Conceit. As as much as I talked it up when we talked about it at first, it is sort of like it's kind of awkward that lyric um political world a little awkward like not not that honed like there are things that just like feel a little bit um clumsy to me on this record and it has the fatal flaw of omitting one of the best songs that could have ever been on this one particular record that would have made it um made me like just say fuck it and give it a three right it also doesn't have very much of a sense of humor this record um and for this one i feel like series of dreams was like the thing that gives you that like it's not funny but it has this kind of like really charming sort of aw shucks almost levity that it brings to like such a profound um, idea that I think would have made this record really like mm. hit home for me. So I think it's a flawed record that is nonetheless very good. That's fair. I think for me, you know, it's just nice to see, like I said, it's the only, it's the only three from the eighties that I've delivered. It's nice to see Bob, uh, you know, after such a, a long and winding road uh, throughout the decade, uh, ended on such a high note. And, uh, you know, we're going to take a couple steps back, I think, as we get into the nineties, uh, before we start climbing back up the mountain. Um, but, uh, at least for this one moment, you're right. It is, it is a pretty humorless record. It's definitely more, um, serious and, and, um, and, uh, um, um, soulful, I think, than, than other, uh, pretty much anything else from the eighties. Um, but it's, it's still just sort of, uh, it's a really kind of, like perfect right place, right time, right producer, right vibe, right set of songs, right, just right everything. And it, and it finally, well, it certainly finally right. Came together for I can't say anything against Daniel Lanois who does a, a tremendous job and really make, I think makes this record what it is in all the positive Absolutely. ways that it, that it is. Um, so yeah, I mean that two star partly goes to Daniel Lanois who's incredible and we'll, we'll, we'll meet again. I'm sure. Very soon. Yeah. I think that does it for our, uh, for our three-star wrap-up. Certainly fewer adjustments, I think, um, uh, for the set of the 80s records than the 70s records, which you know what that means? That means we're getting better at this. Yeah. It means we're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> so listeners, you're welcome. We are, we are, you can see our growth as podcasters because we aren't correcting as many mistakes as we made at the beginning of this ridiculous yeah. Uh, yeah. nonsense. Um, Born in Time, do you like that? 
Um, Born in Time? Born in Time. That's that's an outtake from Oh Mercy. It's really good. But, you know, I, I actually didn't want to include it on here because it is going to appear on Under the Red Sky. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, you clearly haven't listened to it, but I urge you to yeah. check it out, Ian. It's it's good. It, it might have made this list if we were like feeling a little bit more fast and loose. I just I felt like it was a little bit weird to include it if it was going to appear on like the next proper record. We right. Well, I've got a little uh, I've got a little homework uh, in front of me before the year closes out. But I think we have one more episode in store for uh, our listeners uh, before we uh, really put a put a cork on twenty twenty a great year that everyone loved. And this, this is a, a record that is, uh, it speaks to the speaks part to of the season that's in the heart at the moment. Yeah. If you will. Um, yes. <laughs> can you, can you guess what it, keep your eyes peeled, uh, on the chimney listeners over the next couple of days you know late late one night um a, a jolly old elf in a red suit might sit down and dr- and drop a, yeah yeah you think that right jolly old elf that's a line from the night before christmas do you think that it's are you saying that santa claus is an elf according to hans christian anderson author of the night before christmas santa himself is a right jolly old elf i'm going to vomit this is shocking to me. Santa and Elf? He's a father elf. He's like a daddy elf. And all the other ones are oh <laughs> like Oh my god. Uh, like I feel twinks. sick to my stomach. <laughs> Santa is an He's just a big elf. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, of course it does. He's Hans Christian Andersen. Do you ever watch that movie with Danny Kay? I don't think so. Oh, you're in for a treat. Uh, I forget what it's called. But there's a movie where Danny Kay, you know, the famous sort of star of stage and screen. He plays Hans Christian Andersen. It's very nice. Well, sounds like I'm in a treat, just like our listeners are in for a We're going to do Christmas in the heart. Aren't you excited? In the next few you days, you know, before Christmas, can't wait. We'll, we'll put it out for you. Yeah. Um, I think that'll, that'll probably do it for tonight, though. Any last, uh, last closing thoughts on this hell of a decade, the 1980s? Yeah. I think that we should talk about watered down love. <laughs> God. <laughs> I can't. I can't do watered down love right now. Watered We're down, two and a half hours no, in. No, no. I can't. Water, I can't do watered water down, down love after two and a half is, hours. It's a song that almost made it onto the list. It's a song that like genuinely feels. It makes me feel like I'm going insane. It makes me feel like I have taken drugs or somebody like put something in my drink. It's a song that makes me feel like I am having a stroke. And it maybe should make it onto the playlist. What do you think, Ian? I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to uh use my better judgment here and and, and give that a nix. Okay. Listen, I think I think All right, fine. You, when when you wake up in the in the cool light of day you'll be glad that I'm saving you from yourself. Are you just saying this because I drank an entire bottle of wine while we recorded this? It could be. 
that could be part of it. All right. But I do think eventually we we may get to uh, like a the most Jokerman kind of songs uh, that uh, that exist. The, the the songs that we have commented on and, and that have uh, wedged themselves in our heart in a special little place. Yeah, we um, we might do a special playlist of songs like "You Wanna Drown Love," "You Wanna Wanna, wanna Drown Love." Jokerman. I ain't gonna go to hell for anybody. 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 Sister, <laughs> 